Hello and welcome to a, a, a kind of weird Arcade Vaults podcast. You'll notice that things don't look like they normally look and there's a face missing that you're familiar with. Um, Chris is away. He's taken a well-deserved holiday because he's about to go into the madness of reopening, which is really exciting times. But I'm Tom. This is the Arcade Vaults podcast. Um, so we get together every week. Um, it's different people in the Arcade Vaults team and different people in the local game community to talk about video games. Uh, and I'm joined... By a familiar face, familiar face from the arcade vaults, familiar face to the podcast as well, which is Will. How's it going, Will? I'm doing good, thanks. Hi, everyone. Amazing. Um, and we've got a familiar face to the arcade vaults. So if you know the arcade vaults, you will have seen Harry around, but new to the podcast. Harry, how's it going, dude? Yeah, doing good, thanks. Yeah, so uh, thought we'd jump on this week and, and talk about what's going on. Um, so for me, as part of the team, so I just started doing, ironically, kind of just before lockdown, starting to do events coverage and things like that, but sort of helping out with the Christmas and content stuff behind the scenes. So watch this space. Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be kind of fun for you again as stuff starts ramping up. Everyone's just had that weird down period. Now we've got to start thinking, OK, we get the place open and then we have to start thinking about events again, which is going to be a whole different game, isn't it? Yeah, interesting times, but um, I'm sure we'll move forward. Um, you know, with with renewed uh, sort of passion for everything going forward, and uh, yeah, it would be good. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. So um, I guess we'll crack on. Um, if you are familiar with the podcast from an audio perspective, everything should be pretty much as you're used to hearing it. Nothing's really going to change. But if you're watching, you're probably seeing a slightly different layout. Um, we're going with the same kind of format that we normally do, but things don't look familiar. That's all right. Chris will be back. He's, he's off gallivanting in the ocean in West Wales. He'll be back next week and we'll be back to normal then. Uh, but for now, we'll jump straight into uh, the top stories of this week. Uh, so we've got a few here. Will's grabbed a, a whole bunch of really cool, exciting news stories. Um, there's the big one, which is the Xbox Games Showcase, which I think we should probably leave for last and dig into that properly at the end. Um, but first off, uh, we've got one here from Eurogamer, which is uh, the Ghost of Tsushima. That's now Sony's uh, fastest selling new IP, which is huge on for, the and for Sony. PlayStation 4. Just yeah, on the PlayStation yeah. 4, yeah. Um, what do you think, guys? Have you had a chance to play Ghost of Tsushima? Have you, have you had a chance to dig into it yet? I will say for for me, I've I've not had a chance to play it yet, although it does look uh, sort of particularly interesting. Uh, hearing sort of everyone chatter about it in our uh, in our group chat certainly sort of piqued my interest. Where perhaps I I I, I knew it was coming out. I remember seeing like the E3 uh, sort of trailer for it either last year or whenever that was released, and sort of going, hmm, that looks really interesting actually. Um, mm. And then completely forgetting about it to be completely honest <laughs> um but you know it, it's it's something different i can't think of any other sort of uh sort of uh game set within that sort of uh time period or 
anything like that. So, yeah, so I, so I think, uh, you know, for me, the fact that they, I guess, really took took a risk in some ways to uh, to do something a bit different has paid off for them. Yeah, I, I think that's the big thing for me is like, so I, I know Sucker Punch from the infamous games on PS3, which I loved, the Sly Cooper games before that. It, they're kind of Sucker Punch specifically are now sort of two for two for saying, look, we want to do something different and we want to set up a new IP. Sony giving them the thumbs up and then managing to make a really cool, exciting, interested new prop. Because I mean, Infamous was a big game on the PS3 for sure. It kind of launched the PS4 a little bit, but didn't really set the world alight with Second Son. And so it's cool to see that they've put all their eggs in a new IP and it's properly paid off as opposed to, you know, Last of Us is obviously hugely successful and that's an established IP. Spider-Man was massive, but it's Spider-Man. So of course it was, right? Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, I think that. Oh, sorry, Will. Oh, I was going to say, uh, I think it sold 2.3 million uh, units. At least that's what Sony uh, put out on their Twitter at the point of uh, doing it. Yeah. And yeah, as we. Here. I think Tom Phillips for Eurogamer, he's got written down it's more than 2.4 million over its first three days worldwide, which is a lot. Yeah, and you it know, beats. It's a big chunk. Horizon Zero Dawn, and it beats uh, Days Gone. And uh, I think it said it beat Dreams as well, but obviously beats all of the other titles like Until yeah. Dawn and that stuff. And uh, yeah, once again, I mean, I, like Harry, have not played it, but uh, it's something that has been on my radar. I'm probably going to wait till the price drops eventually and pick it up later or maybe get like a Game of the Year edition if, you know, they have DLC or whatever. But uh, yeah, I played the first Infamous when that came out on PS3, and that was really good. And as we said, this is something that's got like its own identity, and it makes it stand out amongst all of the other kind of open world games. So it's good to hear about its success, and yeah, yeah. hopefully we have more stuff, more kind of samurai games coming out in the future, whether they are open world or. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, it's such an interesting game where, like, in a lot of ways, it's. A standard open world game there's like bases and you've got to go and you can do your stealth or you can go all out and a lot of things are really familiar but the setting is so different it looks so pretty and it's just that interesting thing of i for me the big takeaway is if it's done this well that's a good sign because the last new ip that sony really launched before this one was days gone which i think sold okay but didn't set the world alight probably because it was a bit too much like the other big one which is last of us right but then you go well horizon zero dawn did well so it's really up and down as long as new ips keep selling hopefully you see sony supporting their first party studios and saying cool if you want to do something different and cool go do something different and cool but that's that's what i want to see and hopefully this kind of spurs them on to keep going with that uh so yeah that's that's a good sushima uh sonic 2 is on its way so April 8th, 2022, I think they said, right? Yes, that was yeah. the date, yeah. yes. 2021 will be way too soon. Yeah, so 2022. Um, I'm going to be really honest. I still not watched the first Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, Nero. Like. Still, yeah, like, I, mean, <laughs> I, I remember it was coming to cinemas, but then the world started ending. So cinemas <laughs> aren't a thing. So I don't really know like where... Like, I haven't had a chance. It looks fun. People seem to kind of enjoy it. So um, I'll say I have seen the first Sonic. Um, I remember watching the first trailer with you, Tom, and we were very suspect. The Gangster's Paradise trailer. Oh, God, we yeah, saw, the Gangster's Paradise we, one. We saw that, and we were a bit on the... Oh, I don't know, I don't know. And uh, I think it was, like, the last week or the week before lockdown started, uh, I went to the cinema, and I went, 
right, this might be the last time I go to the cinema in a long time, which was correct. <laughs> I went to you see I went to see the first Sonic. Uh, well, yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog the movie. Yeah. I'm getting confused with the game here because when I hear Sonic <laughs> yeah. 2, I'm just like the game. Uh, where I saw Sonic the movie and like completely blew my expectations. I went in, well, it might be fun. I know um, some people at that point started saying it was quite good. It was way better than it had any right to be. And it makes me really excited. I'm really excited that there's going to be a Sonic 2. Yeah. Um, and uh, hopefully it's a trend that's going to kind of push more video game movies coming out. Whoa, hang on, sorry. Don't know what happened there. <laughs> Water playing video. Um, I was going to say that, oh, um, you know, I, I was, I was, my contrast is with, um, I thought sort of Detective Pikachu did pretty good at the time um you know my thoughts on the film are are somewhat conflicted but you know sort of you'd think okay well that that should have been poised for i was expecting to hear something similar within that sort of vein um before a sonic 2 but obviously it was they want to take that gamble on a second one and it was was the highest grossing video game movie of all time uh, sonic it beat uh, detective pikachu yeah i'd love i mean a huge part of this don't get me wrong i don't think that this is me saying that the game is uh the, the game the movie isn't great or anything but a big part of it's got to come from that jim carrey factor yes he is one of the biggest stars and right Hollywood he... stars ever period yeah he's had a bit of a up and down career where he's gone away for a little while and he's gone into drama as, a, as opposed to comedy and stuff but he's a huge name so that's got to be a big part of it and he's reprising his role. All of the three main actors um, are reprising okay. their roles from the first film, the Sonic, Eggman, and uh, to be honest, I forgot the others. Who the other guy who was the central character? James Marsden, wasn't it? As the, yeah, as the yeah guy. James Marsden. Cyclops, yeah. They did, they did him so dirty as Cyclops in those X Men movies. <laughs> Poor guy, he deserved better than that. That's a whole um, other yeah, podcast. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> a whole other podcast. But no, I, I think it's pretty good. I, it's one of those. Jim Carrey's a huge star. Him being attached and him reprising his role has got to go a long way. Um, it'd be interesting to know what... Yeah, it's been long enough. What Ryan Reynolds' situation is, right? With Detective Pikachu. Because mm. obviously he's, yeah. he's the voice of Pikachu in that, right? Like, all the way through the movie. Like, he's a big deal. I don't know if he said that he's going back. You've got to assume... At this point, Ryan Reynolds is a huge star. If he's if yeah. they can get him back on for a second, well, well they, they were they were doing that. Um, I I did see a post on Reddit earlier, and I didn't follow it up, but there was the whole trailer with Ryan Reynolds for some other um video game kind of movie, wasn't there? Because he was going to be like a NPC that sort of then gained sentience. Um, there was a trailer for it before lockdown, and then it's kind of like disappeared into the ether. Yeah. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of that for movies. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was going to come out. We just don't know now. Yeah, I could I could see there being a detective uh, detective Pikachu prequel. I saw the film recently, and yeah, I could definitely see there being a prequel. Um, yeah, and he, like, I think he could fit in very well in that kind of. Yeah, like I like I think it'd be interesting if they um the, the the parts of that film that I liked the most were kind of just the the world that they kind of built rather than the story. You know, I I want to yeah. watch you know the firefighting team of squirtles go on some sort of adventure, you know, like <laughs> that's what I want. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be around Brian Reynolds as Pikachu, like just yeah. something else within that sort of style. I think that's the weird contrast. Cause I, I, I'm there with you. Where like for me, 
that world was so cool. It seemed so lived in. It seemed so real that we got to the end of that movie and you kind of get that protagonist going, cool, he's ready to now go off and be a Pokemon trainer. I can watch him go through the Pokemon journey that I've gone through as a player over and over again. I'm excited for that. But part of me is like, they're not going to bank on anyone other than a big star like Ryan Reynolds, unless they can get somebody else attached. Mm-hmm. It seems like that's probably the big one, because historically video game movies haven't done too well, right? Hopefully this is the start of a, of a kind of change in that trend, and we I, seem I to think... be talking every other week about uh, different uh, TV series being adapted, like Fallout and The Last of Us mm-hmm. and stuff. So who knows? I, I, I think it's a... They've... Finally, I guess sort of. I've not seen Sonic, but I, but from the trailers, I can see that you know we've kind of shifted away from kind of just adapting the story of the game to kind of going, let's take some elements and kind of mix them around yeah. and and do some do something else. Um, because I think back to like when I was growing up and we had like the, the one that always sticks out in my head is is the Doom film because like oh we're gonna do a section in first person. Yeah. It's like I, I I don't care like. Uh, well, that that was one of the only good bits of the film though yeah (laughs) and i watched we watched that recently and it starts off fine but then you get after the first hour there's a really bad part in the doom film that just made me lose board entirely but i think over the last couple years we've had tomb raider we've had detective pikachu um and sonic i i mean i know the last two the latter two have done well in the box office and i Mm. thought all three of them were pretty good films yeah i quite enjoyed reader so yeah i I think we always forget as well like the resident evil franchise think of it what you will is a it's a big money maker like they kept making those resident evil films because Mila jovovich in those movies like they just kept making money but I, i think you've got a point where it's like the little bits like in doom you've got that first person section and in the first Resident movie, when you first see the dogs, like, oh, that's the dogs from the games. Like, they've really hung on the fact of, oh, if we drop that in there, then otherwise we can do whatever we want with the film. It's like, nah. nah. Yeah. You've got, you got to make a good <laughs> film as well, though. You can't just go, well, this is first person. That was kind of cool. Like, they tried doing a whole movie in first person, and that nearly made me puke. So that's not going to sell a movie for me for a second. <laughs> um, it'll be interesting. I mean, Jim Carrey seems like a lot. Like, he's great at everything. He's attached and he was I, a great I, I, fit as Eggman. Yeah. Yeah, because I think Eggman's such, such a vague character as well that as long as he kind of looks the part, you've got a lot of flex and a lot of leeway with what you want to do with him, right? And it seems like he's done a really good job. People seem to really like it. Um, cool. So uh, the next story, the next piece of news that we've got. Uh, so this has actually come from uh, Tom Jones, who you will have seen around um, the arcade vaults and stuff, and he does a lot of work with us and things at events and things like that as well. Um, but new code was found in Mario 64, so this is almost 24 years after the game was launched, where they've found what looks like a kind of, well, yeah, I guess what would have been a, a holding model for Luigi in Mario 64, right? Am I seeing that right? Yeah. So, so for context, like they've had, they've had Nintendo have had like basically a massive leak um, this week of like all the source code for so many like n64 games and some of their older games it's like the second big leak they've had this year of this sort of stuff um but there's loads of alternate stuff there's like there's alternate versions of yoshi's island now that have surfaced and things like that like so it's all kind of bundled in there so i guess it's just one of those things that people have found um but yeah it's, it, it's interesting that it's there isn't it because it's just one of those like playground tales like oh yeah i can play uh Luigi in there. If you just do this, yeah. this, 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 and this. So like, that one kid who thinks yeah. you can. You're like, you're lying. <laughs> you're kidding. 
Yeah, so I think like uh, the f- pictures that are floated around, there is actually even like a Luigi. They created the Luigi model, uh, which is like kind of like a different size to Mario, but they didn't like make the facial features. So everyone has put kind of Mario's face on Luigi's body. Over the top. So, yeah, yeah, on the N64 sense, yeah. You'll be able to, so um, the, the link that we've got here is from Bleeding Call. Um, so they've kind of got the link here. So we'll put the link in the comments. You can go and have a look at it. But it's interesting that all this source code is leaked because I remember the initial leak this year, and admittedly for Nintendo as well as the rest of the world, it's been a weird year. But the big story for me, I feel like at the start of the year, was this is a big year for Mario. They're going to be pushing a bunch of Mario stuff on the Switch. So there was whispers that there were going to be things like Mario Sunshine, Mario 64... Um, all kinds of different stuff coming to the Switch to kind of celebrate that big Mario anniversary. And the fact that it's a whole bunch of other stuff, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at the article here on Bleeding Call, and there's stuff from A Link to the Past that's in there. there there's all kinds of stuff. Yoshi's Island, like we've said already. So, yeah, I, I wonder whether or not these leaks are coming from just a weird blip or if they are potentially working on something for the Switch down the roads. Who knows? As, as we referenced uh, Tom earlier, I think he said in the game, uh, on one of the fountains, it says something like, L is the new, tw- uh, tw- uh, I think it was 24 slash uh, 1. And basically, it's been 24 years and one month uh, since that game came out. Uh, and 24-1. So, I, I mean, that made, uh, my response to that was, developers yeah. must have done that. Like, there's well, no way. Just, I'm not yeah, buying. Well, I'm, 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 I'm looking at the article as well. They're saying, like, the, the, the actual code bit for Luigi's character model in there is that number as well. So, like, it's all a big uh, sort of, like, big tie-in. It'd be interesting yeah, like... to see if these leaks have come from someone who either worked on the game or still working at Nintendo now or, you know, because some of the stuff is pretty... Is pretty uh, it's pretty in-depth. Um, mm. I remember, like, I'll... I'll send a link to you guys afterwards but there's um a guy i watch on youtube who does like a lot of stuff like going into like emulators and how they work and things like that and he was talking about it like the fact that they've actually kept all of this stuff all documented um is a big deal in comparison to some other game companies um like square enix don't have the source code to final fantasy 8 anymore they just threw it away when they were done with it (laughs) so i I think that's another reason that i'm like it's it's always a little bit of a shock to me when stuff like this happens to nintendo when it happens to anyone else yeah sure of course it happens but with nintendo they're so when it comes to ip especially they're so precious about that Mm. you know like they're, they're really careful about how they do it things like the the Nintendo online service that we've got at the minute on Switch where you can go and you can play these old Super Nintendo and you know NES games, that's out of character for Nintendo. They don't normally do stuff like that. You know, I mean we're talking I guess, well, actually I guess on the Wii they sort of did elements of yeah. that with um with their emulation and stuff. But but they're very, very precious and very specific about it. You know, so um yeah, it's interesting to see that it's cropped up. The timing's weird and does make you think like, yeah, someone's been holding on to this for the better part of, what, 20-something years? To be like, this is the day. This is my time. Yeah, so... I wonder uh, if they're sitting there going, this isn't the response I thought I was going to get. So, yeah, growing up, uh, the first ever Mario game I ever played was uh, Super Mario 64 DS, um, the DS version. And uh, the internet... I I must have been playing this around 2006, 7, 8. The internet started kind of first getting in my life at this point so you know i'm typing it in 
all I could ever see in, over the internet in that game was um, people saying, Waluigi's in the game. Because in the box art, next to all the four characters, uh, like Mario, Luigi, Yoshi, and Wario, uh, they have like a purple light. And they say, that's Waluigi. They made Waluigi, but he's not in the game. So uh, as soon as like I read this story, I was like, this is the same thing, just with the 96 game instead. Where... Maybe, maybe, in tw- <laughs> maybe in 20 years' time, it will transpire he actually was in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't I see any It's just Nintendo going, no, no, no. I know it's Mario 64. I know it's 20 plus years old. We can get another couple of decades out of this game. I swear <laughs> to God. We can yeah. push a little more out of it. It's the, it's the gift that keeps giving. Um, cool. So uh, I think that's it for the Nintendo news. There is a bit more PlayStation stuff which we'll come to later. Um, well, this is a whole different thing for me. So the new Atari mobile rhythm game, which is out now, so it's available on iOS and Android, Beat Legend Avicii? I have no connection to Avicii in any form whatsoever, so you're going to have to guide me through this story completely. Okay, so uh, it, this was just something that I found, uh, and like with the Xbox showcase, I thought, right, I must be the only person thinking about Atari here. So I just kind of wanted to find something with Atari just to see, because they are selling a console uh, yeah. at the end of yeah, the year. It's a thing so, they're doing. Uh, um, so yeah, but what uh, came out for them was um, they've brought out a new mobile rhythm beating game. Uh, so what was it called? Beat Legend Avicii? Yeah, Beat Legend Avicii. Yeah. So basically, it's two ninety nine on the Apple Store, and I think it's that price on uh, Android as well, on the Play Store. Um it's basically like Guitar Hero, but on mobile with Avicii songs. And I think there's like a multiplayer element to it. What I found interesting about this, though, now, obviously, like, well, unfortunately, uh, Avicii passed away, I think it was two years ago. But um, Atari and Avicii, I don't kind of think of those two things together. Because Avicii yeah. was very popular with kind of like, you know, I was kind of in school around the time Avicii was like really big and popular. Whereas Atari is you know their big years was kind of the late 70s early 80s wasn't it so i I remember when i was talking about the console uh previously i thought okay well you can appeal to different demographics here this is kind of a weird thing because you've got something here but is it the right thing I assume that this game will be on uh, Atari's console later on in the year. There was no mention you of that. So. Um, yeah. They said, because um, I brought up in the last podcast I was on, that they were going to be bringing a Missile Command uh, remastered mobile game on the console. So I assume that this is also going to transfer to the console as well. But I just thought it was, it, it's something interesting if you're to keeping well, an eye on Atari, because this is one of kind of the big things yeah. that they going out at the moment. And I mean, I think we always sort of hold our breath a little bit with Atari because it always feels like they're on the peak of death and then they get bought out by somebody else and someone holds on to that, that license for a while and then they reoccur and they reappear and then they go away again. Uh, but this is actually the first title in what looks to be a series of different rhythm games. So like they've got Beat Legend of Vici. It looks like they've got a few different musical artists that they're going to be doing this kind of thing with. So if like two ninety nine, you're getting essentially, I guess, a sort of album of Avicii's songs that you can play in this game and it looks like they're going to be doing it for a few different um sort of artists and stuff as well which is quite interesting and they do all look like they're coming out on mobile i don't know what's going to happen in terms of their console i if they if they can hit it right in that mobile market 
it's a super lucrative market, right? Like we know they can make a fair chunk of money. So that would be great to see. Mm. There's anything to kind of keep them going. Because I think they're going to struggle on the hardware front. You know, they're yes, going to, absolutely. They, it's not a cheap bit of kit, that console. And they're going head to head with Xbox and PlayStation this holiday. Yeah, I, I can't I can't see that going well for them personally. No. Like I, no. um you know when, maybe, when maybe and, the mobile and, market floats them a bit, right? Yeah, I mean if it, if if whether this comes to their console or not, I'm not sure this would be the game to make me buy it, to be completely honest. Um mm-hmm. you know, it's it if if their console just ends up being a transfer of all of these mobile games that they're doing, then you kinda of sort of have to go what's what's really the point? Um you know, yeah. um but as, but as a game idea, like I, I think that it's you know sort of tapping into that sort of same uh, strategy that they kind of did with Guitar Hero and Rock Band towards the end of their sort of life cycles of kind of going we're going to make them more specific to particular artists to try and appeal to those uh, fans. Mm. Um, but I guess you know how well it actually uh, on the merits of just being a game, we'll we'll see. I guess, but um, yeah, we shall see. You know, ultimately, I just hope I hope Atari are okay, and I, I kind of almost shouldn't think like that. I have to keep reminding myself, like, no, 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 this Atari is a very different Atari mm. to the Atari that makes my heart go, oh, Atari. Like they're two, like there's so many different people involved in it now. Uh, but yeah, it would be like it would be nice to have them sort of at least moving and shaking a little bit. I can see them in a sort of situation like Sega, where they maybe start publishing games and doing a little more that way, and and maybe this mobile market and these kind of games is, is what gets them there initially. And I, I think it's worth celebrating another rhythm beating game. You know, I love yeah. Guitar Hero. And like, if they bring that, if this, I mean, it hasn't exploded on the internet yet. This isn't like the next Flappy yeah. Birds or whatever. <laughs> but I mean, um, if, if this is possible, uh, is it possible, if, um, if this is success uh, on mobile and uh, on their console, then good things all around isn't it and hopefully we could see a more trend of those games coming out again yeah i mean beat saber was huge right oh yeah yeah. it was always great beat saber's one that whenever we have vr on in the arcade people go nuts for it they love it so you know there's a lot of fun and i think it's a super accessible kind of game as well where you don't have to be like a gamer to be able to pick it up and and play and enjoy it so yeah it could be good i was gonna say always forget the obvious ones don't i always forget (laughs) the obvious ones uh magic cool um so i think this is our last story before we jump into the big tale of the week um so playstation 5 i think we actually might have mentioned this before because it's been a story that keeps floating in and out of the sort of mainstream but uh playstation 5 looked like they uh ramping up um they ramped up production on consoles we knew that they had a whole bunch of stuff on the line kind of going into launch but they're pushing out almost 10 million extra units for this holiday for launch so it looks like they're producing a lot more than they thought they were going to be able to it looks like they're prepping for a really big launch um big news i mean what do you guys think i i well i i think um it's something we'll get onto when we get to talk about the xbox and um, sort of thing but you know they've, they've kind of really dominated at least in, from my perspective and i think other people would agree for for this generation really so to kind of go you know they need to come out strong they don't want a situation like with the switch has had several times throughout its sort of life cycle where it's not been available to to buy um you yeah. know i was i was in a position 
before lockdown where I was like, do I want to pick up a Switch? And then actually it was like, I can't buy one for love nor money. It's not an option for you. Um, yeah. And now that it's been long enough, that it's kind of like my momentum for it's past. And, you know, you'll have to try and pick me up again to to get it. And I, and I think especially for their launch, you know, they're going to sell that stock. Like, so yeah. even if it's sitting around for a bit, you know, um, which I, I doubt somewhat, but um, I think, you know, shows that they've got confidence in, in what they're doing you know they can continue to go strong from this generation into the next i think so yeah I, I think they they know that they're going in strong and like the big story isn't the big story with this launch was never are they going to make it launch are they going to be able to get that console out the question was always are you going to be able to get one right like, like mm. I said nintendo is so good at i know from experience that a big part of it is artificial demand Yes, deliberate under supply yeah. because it's a good not being able to not having enough machines to sell people is a good problem to have. It means you're shifting units. And I think PlayStation also probably learned a little bit from the PlayStation VR where when they were shifting PlayStation VR units, they couldn't meet demand because people wanted them more than than they could supply them. Um, and don't get me wrong, this isn't a PlayStation VR situation. This is going to sell exponentially more units than the PSVR could ever dream of. But um it's it's good to know. I think with everything going on the big story seemed to be how, you know, how are you possibly going to fulfill the demand for the sequel to a massively successful console over this generation, especially considering they've just had two huge games launched this year that have just displayed and made crystal clear, like, yeah, this isn't slowing down. We have more titles like this coming. We have more Spider-Mans and God of Wars in the shape of The Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima and things like that. Um, Just to show how how big this 10 million uh thing is how they've increased the production to 10 million uh obviously the industry is very different from then and now but i looked up 2013 which was the christmas period when the ps4 and xbox one were new and put on shelves the xbox one at that time sold 3 million uh i believe and uh the ps4 sold over 4.3 million uh sales so this is over double of the ps4 the last time so they're certainly expecting big and i'm also interested how many of how are they splitting up the digital coffee uh, the digital console and how they're splitting the uh physical the disc version Mm -hmm. well i mean even if we were to say for example so i'm just reading through so it's ign where we got this story it's adam banker's piece on ign um so that's an extra 10 million units on top of the five to six million that they had originally wanted by the end of March 2021. So even if you're talking about altogether between this between launch and sort of March next year, you're talking about almost 16 million. Even if you split that and go, well, if half of those are disc and half of those are digital, that's still way more than the PS4 shifted in its launch window. Mm. So it's 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 a big supply thing. I'd love to know what it is that's triggered them to want to push this hard because it's a gamble to take, right? If they I, if you're sat I, on dead units, that's a problem. I I wonder if if part of it is because of everything that's going on at the moment. Sort of if they go well, we could have a period where we you know everyone's worried that if we sort of end up into a second lull and things like that, and that the winter's going to potentially be the worst time for all of this. If they're like, well, if we if we bank on that stock now, then we're going to have that continuously, even if everything goes back into um, sort of severe, more severe lockdown again. Um, yeah. That we've got those units. Um, 
you know, and, and I guess it kind of as well, um, how much of a bearing it has, but sort of it's got to look good for like their shareholders and things like that to go with that confident yeah. in, in what we're doing that, you know, an extra 10 million, what's that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, th th they're in a position where they can publicly boast about that so strongly, right? Like it's a good yeah, sure. problem to, good thing to be able to put forward. I think yeah, Sony I the... in their statement uh, claim that because of COVID that there's been an increase in game and demand services. So uh, I assume they think if life is going to be as it is now where we're still at home, yeah. people are going to be wanting uh, stuff to do at home. Yeah, and I suppose there's an element of they're aiming to produce 10 million extra units in anticipation of a second wave potentially in certain regions. If you're aiming for that, and then say now a second wave hits China, where you've got to assume a lot of the components for these machines are probably being manufactured in China, a lot of the assembly happens in China. If you're aiming for 10 million now, and halfway through that production process, another wave hits and they have to start shutting down factories and stuff, at least then you've kind of aimed for 10, you settle for 5, and you've still got 10 million units going into launch. Uh, but it's probably worth me actually pointing that out, that a big part of me does think if they're almost if they're trying to make almost double of what they initially well triple of what they'd initially planned to do you hope that it's being made and the factories are being managed in a way where those people aren't at risk as well yeah because you're now saying mm. we had five six million units in production everyone's going are you even going to be able to make that many with everything going on they're now saying we're going to make triple of that and you go well you're going to need triple the manpower yeah. And we probably don't want that many. We don't want to just throw staff at an assembly line yeah. and hope that this virus doesn't spread. Maybe maybe that they're um, looking to, I know there's other sort of tech companies are looking to sort of diversify outside of China now because of everything that's sort of gone on. Whether yeah. they're going, okay, we're setting up another plant here that's going to do 5 million, another one here that's going to do, you know, to kind of go, yeah, keep really all the wheels to diversifying you know sort of everything that goes out and it's like well okay this is kind of a production run that we're going to do so that's the numbers that we end up with so yeah because i know that that was a big part of i mean even if you think about the grand scheme of things right like a big part of moving units around in a specific way sort of region to region i know with smartphones for example if you're importing components from one region to another they're liable for tariffs but it's harder mm. to sort of tariff a product so, for example, if you're saying, well, we're going to make the components for a PlayStation 5, then we're going to ship them to another country and we're going to assemble them in that country, you're going to get tariff for every individual component there. Mm. If you assemble them all in one region, then great. You don't have to worry about shipping a PlayStation 5 because the tariff doesn't apply to a PlayStation 5. It's a singular product in it. There's all kinds of weird kind of madness that goes into it. But I think the, the big story there is there's just a lot of confidence for PlayStation and historically, that confidence hasn't always done well. Where you think mm. the Wii sold really well, so they went confident and said the Wii U is going to be amazing, and it bombed. The 360 did really, really well, and they went into Xbox One going, with the guys, and it bombed. The PS2 is one of the top-selling consoles of all time, mm. and the PS3 is going to be, and it, and it bombed. I, I, so it I think worries I, me, and it has worried me all the way through PS4, that if they don't carry that cachet and that success mm. into next gen in the right way it scares me a little bit i i, I think um I, I get what you mean but i think um my confidence is kind of there for them so i think about those examples that you brought up there and 
they all tried a different tactic um, on, on those as well as going, okay, we're going to ride the high, but we're going to take that to try something else. Whereas mm. in comparison to when we get onto like sort of Microsoft and sort of the things that they're doing, they're kind of just going, well, we can just pretty much keep the business model the same. It's very simple. We're just going to give you another PlayStation that's more powerful with the game, yeah. you know, with the games that you that you like on them, you know, and some new ones from from developers that you know, and just carry on riding that train forward. They, you know, whereas if you think like the Wii was super successful, but then you know, it was the Wii U was arguably not named the thing that it really needed to be, you know, clear enough for people to understand what it was, and even then it was still different from the Wii U, like. PS2, like, okay, we can, you know, make a really powerful next generation console, but we're going to make it a different architecture and the way it's built to every other console yeah. at the time. So we can overcharge uh, for it. Yeah. yeah. So, and then Microsoft going like, oh, we're just going to be that, you know, that mythical black box under your TV, the only one that you ever need. Um, so we're going to lean on that. So, yeah. you know, as I say, sort of keeping consistent gives me sort of the hope and, and maybe that's what they're sort of banking on to go, well, you know. Yeah just as a news story it seems like it it gives you oh playstation that seems new that seems cool that sounds like it's got momentum just on the outside just on the surface and you know that's always a good thing to hear if you know you're kind of a consumer you know thinking about one or the other because you're going to probably want the console which your friend has stuff like i know there's a lot more cross play i know there's a lot more like kind of cross online play nowadays but it certainly does make it, you know, if the last PlayStation did well and, oh, they've got the double in the production. Wow, that sounds like uh, that they know that this is going to be a success. And just judging by the recent online reaction, I think PlayStation probably, uh, as we'll get to, they've got a lot more of a well-received fanfare at the moment over yeah, they're, Xbox. They're going, so. in, they're going into that, that next-gen window stronger there's no two ways around it you know they are they're the guys uh, and well deserved you know they've done a lot of really pro consumer moves they've developed some great games they have incredible first parties they've done a good job the last generation so so yeah i mean it can't be a bad thing if nothing else we shouldn't have to struggle to get a playstation 5 at launch um cool so uh we mentioned xbox a little bit there so i guess the big news story this week um, and it's going to be an interesting one to work out how, how we go about it. But um, Xbox had their um, Xbox Games Showcase. Uh, it was last Thursday, wasn't it? And uh, they went through a whole slew of new titles on the way for Xbox One. Um, sorry, Xbox Series X and Xbox One, I suppose. Mm. Um, so what I'm going to do is we're going to put the link, um, as we do with all our stories, in uh, the comments section. But uh, Kez McDonald was sort of live tweeting the, the show as it was going on. And she's got a really great summary. So I'm just going to quickly list off the sort of list that she's got here in that article just to sort of refresh ourselves. And then we'll jump in and sort of pick and choose what we want to talk about and our general opinions from the showcase. OK, so um, the summary of what was shown tonight for the Xbox One X uh, gameplay from Halo Infinite's campaign. We'll get onto that, I'm sure. A quick look at the new Forza Motorsport. Uh, that was pretty minimal. Um, a new State of Decay, State of Decay 3 was announced, which is very very quick turnaround for the team at uh, State of Decay. Um, Rare's new game Everwild. Uh, we haven't had gameplay for that yet, but it was sort of the cinematic trailer that looked great. Um, Don't nod. So um, they've got Tell Me Why coming, um, and also Ori in the World of Wisps. They've said that that's going to get a refreshed sort of version of itself um, for Series X. Different developers. It's worth me sort of separating them a little bit. 
uh, but they were kind of mentioned in the same breath. Um, Obsidian, so they have DLC coming for Outer Worlds. Outer Worlds, not Outer Wilds. Um, mm -hmm. So a new expansion for that, which looks really, really good. They talked about Grounded a little bit, which is on its way out. That's going to be a game for them. Kind of looks like a Honey, I Shrek the Kids video game. Um, and they also showed off Avowed, which is a first-person RPG. It's not Skyrim, but it's that kind of feel. Um, set, in set in the world the of Pillars, Pillars of Hurt. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's an interesting one, that, and we'll we'll come to that, I'm sure. Um, As Dusk Falls is a sort of narrative adventure-looking game. We had a little bit from Psychonauts 2, which Psychonauts 2 we've known has been in the works for a while, and um, Double Fine were obviously acquired by Xbox, so it seems uh, like that's going to be a big push for them. Uh, there's going to be an optimised version of Destiny 2 for the Series X. Uh, Stalker 2 was announced. Warhammer Dark Tide. I'm going to go through these a bit quicker because it's going to take forever otherwise. Tetris Effect Connected um, is on its way, a kind of multiplayer version of Tetris Effect. Uh, the Gunk, which looks like a third-person sort of science fiction game. Uh, the Medium, which is really, really cool. I want to touch on that a little bit. Uh, Fantasy Star 2 on... Sorry, Fantasy Star Online 2 New Genesis. Um, Crossfire X, they showed off Remedy's campaign version of that. And the big closer, which was a big one for me, is we have known for a while Playground Games were working on something. That something is Fable, and that's how they kind of close the show. Um, uh, there was one other thing in uh, that uh, should... showcase as well. Um, they showed a little bit of Hellbade Senua's Sacrifice, and they showed that uh, yes. they were doing some filming in Iceland. They didn't announce like a new game or new content, I don't think. No, but I, they... I think in terms of the game, all we've seen is that is that sort of yeah. trailer that they showed already but there was a lot of production stuff in Iceland and things that they're doing there which is quite cool yeah thoughts what do we think what did we think how are we feeling now that we're a few days removed I mean we're recording this on the Sunday after so I've had a lot of time to sort of mull over it but what did you guys think hmm. um I'll jump in first um everything that so having missed out really on uh Xbox for this generation um, Tom, I think you're the only person I even glancingly know who owns an Xbox um, from this generation. Um, so, um, but before, but before this generation, no, you know, was was an original Xbox into 360 um, sort of things. So I was kind of, to be honest, kind of really disappointed with um, with Halo. Um, you know, I, at the end of the whole thing, I was like, actually, I'm excited for some of these games and and then halo's like oh yeah i guess that was that was there um now whether that's because i've not played one since uh halo reach was the last one on the 360 i think i think they did do halo 4 on there as well but i didn't play mm. play that um and i've got to think that other people are going to be in that same situation as well potentially um if they're trying to pull people over um you know and they're doing sort of all the master chief collection and things at the moment for for pc and things like that to kind of go okay so jumping in from free to this one was like, i don't know what's going on with this like didn't do a good job it's, of telling me what's going on it didn't look yeah. particularly interesting to me but you know maybe I mean, that's just me but since, since you've said it we should probably we should probably have because that it was a big chunk of gameplay they showed for halo infinite and we know that this is it's a launch title right they haven't mm. said it's a launch title it's holiday it's gonna be, the yeah. consoles are. if that game doesn't make it for launch then it's gonna hurt them I was, I think the fact that they opened with this footage and closed with Fable felt to me like they were almost trying to grab at people like yourself who used mm. to play Xbox but haven't in a while. 
because that Halo Infinite gameplay didn't look pretty to me. There were moments where it looked kind of cool. Initially, when you're moving around and you're on the Warthog and you go up the elevator, I was like, this kind of looks pretty, but it also looks a lot like Halo 3. Yeah. And that's a long, long way away. Yeah. You know, it doesn't look... If, if that's what you want to show off, say, this is what the Series X can do, I'm going to go, is that all? Yeah. Well, I, I don't think it looked that pretty. I, I thought like a lot of the environments, like when they went to space and stuff like that, that looked to me next gen. That looked, whoa, this looks good. The area where they showed the gameplay, it looked, as you said, a lot like the earlier Halos. Um, and it just looked like a next gen version of it. I thought the part of it, at least graphically, in terms of its power, was the there was a human character that they had on there. And yes, just yeah, looked the a bit. He looked a little cartoony, he did, yeah. for me. And in terms of the gameplay of that trailer, th- there's both a positive and a negative to it. The positive of it is, is that it was... I definitely don't think that it was heavily scripted. Like, it looked like, oh, yeah. this is like an actual kind of someone playing the game. The negative of it is, is that they might have wanted to do that because it just felt like someone was playing a game. It didn't look like, yeah. oh, this is action-packed, intense. I, I genuinely think that, like, because you also have to think they had the pre-show uh, going on before that, and they all they were talking about is Halo Infinite, we're going to show that. Halo Infinite, yeah. we're going to show that. And Halo, to me, like, I'm a PlayStation game. I've never owned any of the Xboxes. But Halo, I always see as that's the system seller for Xbox. That's what made the Xbox, made the Xbox 360. And I think that's why... To so many people, the Xbox One fell so short because Halo Five wasn't like the next big game of the generation, was it? So I mean, Bungie left, right? I, yeah. I think that's been that's I, I, been I, a big thorn in the side of Halo. Is Bungie aren't there anymore? Bungie are doing Destiny. Three Four Three have had to take over. And this, for me, the one thing I will say for it is I don't think it looked mind blowing. I don't think it looked pretty. even when they had the close up of a uh, you know the kind of the main villain. It looked a good sort of three, four, five years too late. And I think they have said since that that is an earlier build, that it's not going to look like that when it launches, but it is the one that they showed off. And I think if nothing else, I guess what you can hang your hat on is if you're a Bungie Halo fan, this looked the closest that I think Halo has done to that version of Halo Mm -hmm. for a good few years. I think they said it's more narrative focused as well, this one, because a lot of people are disappointed with the story of Halo 5. So there is that, like it's more narrative focused. We're back with Chief. They pulled out to the map and it looked quite big and it looked quite expansive. So it looks like a big open world from what I can see. We don't know that for sure, but. I I think the thing is, it's like, as I say, coming in the context of sort of missing out on sort of all the ones from this generation, like i wasn't so when they moved to reach they changed a lot about what halo was to kind of fit it in with call of duty sort of more to appeal to that sort of demographic and now there's been you know there's there's been a seven-year gap really even from the end of that console generation to this now and it's like well okay um it looked kind of just looked to me as if they were kind of just trying to do titanfall almost was sort of yeah. like the way the movement and everything it's like and, and titanfall that's out on this generation looks better than what they're pushing as their new thing so uh, yeah. it's kind of a, yeah. wow it's kind i didn't of, even think about it like that yeah that's a really good yeah point. it's so yeah like we'll, we'll see i mean when it when it comes out i maybe maybe um eat my words on that one but from what they've shown off so far 
it's not set the world on fire. To be honest, um, I gave I gave that trailer a second watch, uh, and the second time I saw it, I thought it looked a lot better. Like I I yeah. I generally think it it was kind of a combination of so much high expectations, a few missteps with it, but I generally do think that it did actually look quite good. So and I, I think don't... I, I do feel like a lot of what people are complaining about online isn't complaining necessarily. It's not completely justified because I don't think it's that it looks bad. It's that they've deliberately made this game look like Halo 3. Like it, it feels to me, a lot of it feels like it's a creative choice that they've taken mm. because they want it to feel like Halo used to. Um, what else? Any any thoughts? Anything that cropped up? Anything that caught your eye from the show? Um, Obsidian is just basically just trying to be the Bethesda was the main thing that I took from uh, all of the games that they showed. Yeah. While while they all look really interesting and I, and I'm I'm hyped for them. Um, it just kind of made me think. Well, they're trying to really stick it to Bethesda at this point and go. Well, um, you weren't good for us, so we're going to do you, but better, and we'll yeah. try to at least. So. Um, you know what i so i loved i think probably my game of last year was was out of Outer worlds i thought it was fantastic mm. like fallout new vegas i've said before was one of my favorite not just fallout games but one of my favorite games ever period i love the idea that they've managed to with fallout new vegas yeah it was probably the buggiest of the lot but i'd argue it was probably the best fallout game yeah and they seem to have gone like can we do another one and famously bethesda were like no no we don't want to work with you anymore and they just hung them out to dry they struggled for a really long time, this team. They were like, the they... meta school one, weren't they? That they, they missed yeah, out on yes, school yeah. they didn't get the bonuses. Yeah. Like it's so there's um for my sense, I cannot remember the name of the book. Um I'm pretty sure it's one that Jason Schreier wrote. Let me double check. But essentially it's a book about the kind of stories of, of, of video games and, and the sort of business and enterprise side of things. And it did a lot of looking into obsidian as a studio and how they really got done badly and how it looked like they were just going to go under for the longest time then they sort of revamped themselves with pillars and they they got the license for the uh, star wars for the south park games and things as well they've really gone from a really horrible difficult situation where it's so to me it felt like they've been thrown under the bus by the industry that they had worked for and they're back right they've they've done a whole bunch of new games uh, great games with pillars and, and with south park They've been picked up by Xbox, and Xbox are obviously going, you're a great team. Go do what you do. Go do what you do. Yeah, so when I saw the trailer, I didn't know that Obsidian, I must have just missed out on that story, that Obsidian uh, were owned by Microsoft. So when I saw Avowed, I mean, Avowed for me was the best trailer from that, because I haven't actually played New Vegas, but I have been a big fan of Bethesda's uh, games over the years, especially as Karen, yeah. that's probably my favourite one. Uh, but when you hear about kind of like the stories and stuff of like that, I'm like, I've got to give these guys a try out, especially because they were yeah. this and that going on. And I saw Avowed, and I was like, whoa, this looks good. Yeah. Like That, that was yeah, one I mean... that really caught my attention. And then it was the point because I'm probably going to get a PlayStation 5 over Xbox Series X. When I heard that they were owned by Microsoft, I was like, oh, damn it. So it's, that could tell I, you I, I, that, I that they've got like, owned... the grip over there. They've got it's worth me saying... Go, this is getting Xbox. Yeah. Sorry, continue. Just a quick sort of twofer. So first of all, the book that I was talking about is Blood, Sweat and Pixels, which is a Jason Schreier book who... Jason Schreier, formerly Kotaku, he's at Bloomberg now. But it's a great book, and, and it goes into that story a lot. It's worth me stressing as well... So Microsoft have acquired them. They are a first-party studio, but a lot of these games aren't exclusive. I don't think we know for sure 
that Avowed is an Xbox exclusive, but we know that Outer Worlds, even though Outer Worlds is on Game Pass and you get this expansion as part of Game Pass, that's still coming to PlayStation. So... I did a, I did a little bit of research, uh, and I believe that uh, not counting the Outer Worlds, I wasn't actually sure about the DLC, but mm. Grounded that was the game that they announced, wasn't it? With yeah, the Grounded, it's not as yeah. big as Cyberpunk, but it's the littlest game of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that was such a good one line as well. And avowed, I, I believe all of the games from uh, this uh, the showcase, including Obsidian's ones, were either some were going to be on the Xbox One but pretty much all of them are going to be on the Xbox Series X and on Windows PC. Yeah, yeah. so I think they're the, all, the ones that I know for sure is they're all on Game Pass, yeah. which is insane yeah. that you just get those for 15 quid a month. Um, but they're not all necessarily exclusives, but they're all available on Game Pass, which I, I think is the biggest story from, from this. And I'll get into yes. this at the end, and we'll probably talk about it in our talking points as well, but it's a strong player, right? Game Pass is where yeah. Xbox want to hedge their bets and put all their money in. Yeah, looks pretty good. Um, State of Decay 3, I thought was an interesting one. Did you guys play State of Decay 2 at all? No. I've not played any of them, I'll be honest. It didn't launch very stable. It was really ropey, and I tried really hard to like it. So State of Decay is... It's kind of like a third-person action game, but not really. It's a lot of base management and base building in this sort of apocalyptic zombie world. It launched State of Decay 2 on Xbox One and on Game Pass, and it didn't launch very stably. It was glitchy, it was buggy, it's still not easy to play, and it's not that long ago that that game came out. So I'm excited for the idea of them maybe having another crack at it and doing a better job, but it's not a lot of time to turn Mm. around the sequel to a game that also wasn't ready when it launched, I don't think. After the Halo trailer, this game looked like, you know, the human character models was, for me, just kind of the obvious glaring issue of the Halo trailer. This came on straight after, and, like, this looked great graphically. This game looked really good. And and so did Forza as well. So, like, after that point, it was like, it's not a case of, ooh, the Xbox Series X, what's the issue with the console here? These games do look next-gen. I think think it's worth noting that most of these, though, are all just trailers not necessarily representative yeah. of what the game's going to look at look like but yeah. i agree though for, for, for when you're looking at it it's it's a really stark contrast to go to even think this could be possible this is kind of what they're putting forward in front of us to go make us think that this is what's going to be the quality uh yeah. in comparison to halo um but so the, ne- the next one on on the list is the one that, that sort of really captured me actually was was ever wild like i don't know what it is going to be but we don't know what that game a, is, but, but it looks but really pretty. <laughs> yeah, it, lo- it looks really pretty, and it's something different. Uh, you know, um, I'm kind of that was the, of one of the narrative-based ones, wasn't it? Ever yeah, that looks, that, that, yeah, that looks it like rare. you're going to play like a team of druids or something. Um, yeah. But I thought a big I... positive of this showcase. Uh, sorry, I'll only go on for no, a sec, but. Um, uh, I thought one of the big positives of, the, of this showcase, as well as PlayStation's, was is that every game looked like it was a different game like it i this one kind of felt it did go on a little bit long and it did go to the point where i was like right what was this game what was this game but every game looked like it was its own thing it looked unique it didn't look like we're gonna get oh yeah here's another a first person shooter here's another zombie game every single thing looked unique it had its own identity and i think that's a big plus going in because the last thing we want is just an oversaturation of one particular type of game Absolutely, yeah. 
And we all remember there was that age at the sort of start of that PS3, Xbox 360 generation where everything was just murky grey shooters. That's pretty much yeah. all you could get on the consoles for a long time. But I believe the Dark Knight. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that's like, like the, the 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 one that the, the one that kind of like then because of all of that kind of then stuck out as kind of like a felt weird in comparison to the rest of them was Crossfire X was then was like oh uh, like because because everything else kind of looks like as, yeah. as we say sort of really different it's kind of like oh okay like that Crossfire X in general so as I understand it Crossfire X is absolutely massive specifically in the Chinese market but. Over in the Eastern markets, it's a hugely popular game. And it's been on there for a few years. Crossfire X is launching in its kind of online capacity here. And then the team at Remedy, who have just come off the back of Control, and they did the Alan Wake game. Alan Wake, yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're just managing, they're just making a campaign. Because it seems like they think to launch this game in the West, we need a campaign. I swear to God, I could be making this up. Maybe I'm seeing something that I that isn't really there. The game doesn't look like the campaign. Whenever I see bits of, of what Remedy are doing, it looks like the campaign is going to be great because Remedy are a great team. But it doesn't look reflective of what that game actually is in terms of how it exists now. And it, it, I'm still a little bit confused by Crossfire X. I think they were only showing the campaign in that trailer as well, weren't they? Like they didn't show any yeah. online elements. Yeah. Um, there's there was a before we get to Fable, which I think we should talk about a little bit. There was one game yeah. I wanted to talk about, and that was Fantasy Star Two: A New Genesis. Yes, yeah. So uh, I thought this was interesting to talk about because um, obviously it's a Sega game, and as soon as I saw that Sega, my eyes were like Sega. <laughs> I, I was born in the yep. East, just about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, obviously the Fantasy Star series was hugely popular on the master system and the mega drive a classic series and um i heard of fan- the fantasy uh, fantasy star online before and um, fantasy star online too but i didn't really know much about it so i did a little bit of research people are a bit confused there is a fantasy star online too but they were wondering whether was this a brand new game was it just an added extension on uh, to fantasy star online 2 it's kind of a bit of both so okay. I'm not sure whether this is like a new overhaul, kind of like, you know, what World of Warcraft has had over the years. Uh, but it's very interesting because the uh, original Fantasy Star Online 2, uh, it was only available in Japan for so many years. Mm. To the point where I'm not sure when it actually did get to America. I, I don't know that it ever did. I remember years ago seeing a thing that people had made their own uh, servers for servers, it so they could play yeah. it. Um, I think it's in it, official it, capacity. I don't think it did, did it? No, no. I, I, I think it's interesting. Um, it, made, it made me sort of think of are they bringing this over for the success that um, Monster Hunter had? Um, Monster really Hunter World, point. you know, like, um, and I think about sort of other games like that, you know, and, and Dragon Quest has had sort of a, a bit of a push over here in the West as well. Um, so it would certainly be interesting. I will admit, in lockdown, um, I've, I've trailed back to World of Warcraft because it's been the only time that I've, you know, something to sink some time into. Um, so I don't know if, a, um, you know, sort of, I, I think it's more on that angle. I don't think that MMOs are particularly going to have a particular resurgence. Um, I think we're kind of past that point of uh, World of Warcraft killers, you know, sort of being the big thing. But it'd certainly be interesting, um, you know, 
sort of the everything looks cool with it. Monster Hunter was uh, was good. So if it's anything like that, then yeah, <laughs> I thought I thought the trailer of this looked quite good. Like yeah, uh, I mean, it, uh, I guess like Monster Hunter is a very good comparison, like of what they were trying to go for and stuff like that. But uh, like the game that they showed here, it did look big. The enemies you fought did yeah. look like huge and stuff. And uh, it looked like it had a lot uh, to the gameplay of it, which is where some MMOs struggle. So it seems like a thumbs up all around uh, for Fantasy Star, and I hope that's a really big success. Yeah. And I, I believe that's another one, though, that like it's not done by Xbox, but I believe it's only coming to Xbox uh, Series X. Yeah, yeah. It'll, be on, it'll be on Game Pass and Windows PC. Um, I believe it'll be free to play as well on PC. Uh, if you're on Xbox it's Gold, huge, maybe yeah. you can get it. Although I'm not 100% certain, though, if it's coming to Europe. Which yeah, I find interesting really as well. Yeah. So... We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think what else we had on here. Stalker 2. I, I'm not familiar with the Stalker game, but apparently that was a game like a PC game that was huge for a lot of people that loved it, and it was touted for a really long time as this unbelievably gorgeous uh, PC game, um, but it was a PC game, so it was kind of limited in its reach, I think, for a lot of people. Mm. Um, I thought it was quite interesting, don't get me wrong, Destiny 2 are doing a really good job of making sure that Beyond Light, the next expansion, is everywhere. Um, they're plastering on every single platform they can get. But I think it's interesting that that's coming to Game Pass, so you'll be able to go in and play Destiny 2. There's almost a 100 dollars worth of dlc that you'll be able to access in game pass generally which you couldn't do before beyond light is coming to xbox game pass as well bungie really worked it felt like they worked to distance themselves from xbox in a lot of ways because it was a very complicated relationship where they were a microsoft owned studio and they managed to not only gain independence but take you know it's not like the team just left and started a new studio bungie as an entity kind of managed to detach themselves, which mm. doesn't happen. And they did a lot of work with PlayStation throughout most of this generation. I know a lot of content came to PlayStation first. So I thought it was not not groundbreaking because it's still just Destiny 2. We've had it for a long time, but things coming to Xbox and that relationship and those bridges being mended seems quite good. Yeah, I, I think um, it's it's interesting. It kind of pulls into, you know, sort of Microsoft's sort of strategy with the whole Game Pass thing and sort of all Project X Cloud and things that they've got, you know, if, if they're trying to go with their strategy of, of pushing Destiny 2, as you say, everywhere possible, and sort of going, well, it looks like, um, you know, obviously the console will sell, whether it does as well as the PS5 remains to be seen, yeah. but I think the interesting thing is putting it on Game Pass and kind of rolling into that, and then yeah. you know, with, with, with what looks like project uh, xcloud has then been rolled into game pass as well to go yes you know yeah. like because because they because they were one of the big sort of pushes for for google stadia as well to kind of go yeah you really know, good point so oh, you know yeah, i didn't even think about that to sort of go well you can carry on playing destiny when you're not at your xbox or at your pc or whatever you can just play it on your phone you just play it anywhere yeah. you know like you know i'm i'm very so i i play destiny 2 quite a lot and i dip in and out i have my periods where i don't play it periods where i do but the one thing that I'll say about Destiny 2 is there's very few shooters that feel and play as good as Destiny 2 mm. does. And all you have to do is look at where they've come from and Halo 3 kind of, and well, the Halo franchise kind of reshaped FPS for a long time and kind of 
I mean, I think a lot of people forget that Halo was one of the first games where you kind of go, oh, first-person shooters can work on console. Yeah. It's not just like Doom and Quake where you, it seemed like it was just mouse and keyboard before. They pushed it as a console game and they really kind of changed first-person shooters on console. So we know that they're good like that. But I like this third-party, this almost sort of agnostic approach to them going, we don't care. We don't care who yeah. you are. We don't care if it's Stadia, xCloud, Xbox, PlayStation, whatever. Who wants to give us the most money to let us keep doing what we want to do? And so that we can minimize charging players as much as possible as well. Mm. You know, this idea that, cool, you want to put it on Game Pass? They're not going to be able to get that money out of the players on Xbox anymore. If you're on PlayStation, you're, you're probably going to be playing, paying for those, for those DLCs and those expansions. They're obviously being paid enough by Xbox that they can eliminate that cost for the player. That's great. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not sure if you're aware, but like you have cross progression on it. So realistically, I could, I, I could play all of that DLC and get all that gear and all that equipment and stuff on Xbox through Game Pass without paying for it. Then I could jump on with my PlayStation friends and use that character yeah. and just play strikes with them. Like, like um, I've not, I've cool. not played a, I've not played a huge amount, but that kind of, um, that sort of thing. Going, I did start first start playing it on PC, but then going, actually, no, I, I want to sit on the sofa and you know carry on playing the same game um yeah it's really cool like and is something that sort of i guess again going back to that whole game pass thing if if more games can work out that sort of like sort of cross save sort of thing then you know it becomes a real selling point then um yeah you say it'd it'd be interesting if more games sort of over this generation kind of just go we don't really care what you're playing it on yeah. as long as you're playing our game that's the only thing that we care about you know yeah i believe they said all of the expansions or the previous expansions will be available uh on game pass at september mm. so yeah. two months that's a kind of a Which short window yeah yeah it means if you're if you're on xbox one, one. now yeah or if you want to you know pick up like so i picked up an xbox one x a couple of months ago because i was like i'll probably get the ps5 at launch i don't feel the need to jump into a series x at launch but a one x is still going to be a super powerful machine and i can play is that halo infinite and stuff i can play on my one x anyway because you know we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about xbox and their wider vision for what xbox is in a second but I, I think it's great you know i think it's it's something that more and more games are moving towards you know we've seen it with things like fortnite fortnite has the logic of we don't care if you want to play it on PlayStation, Xbox, PC, mobile, iOS, Android, we don't give a damn as long as you're playing, right? Like that—that's their—that's their logic, and I, I think it's a cool—it's a cool position for us to be in as players because we don't have to worry about where our money is being spent and having to double dip and triple dip mm. towards every single manufacturer out there. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's—it's it's pretty good. It'll be interesting to see how that relationship develops with them and whether or not ties are rebuilt or it is them just saying we don't care if you've got many we're friends with you <laughs> like, yeah. like it's, whatever keeps us open man i uh, um, think it's also worth bringing up uh, fable just i was before, gonna say yeah, yeah. so yeah. I, that it's a weird one and i was kind of holding off on fable for the end because for me fables are really really big deal I, I'm, I'm gonna tell you a story okay we'll open the close of this little conference with a little bit of a story when i was a kid in high school I remember being on the playground and somebody shouted heads and I didn't duck like a normal child would. I turned around to see what was coming and a rock went straight into my glasses and into my eye. And it damaged my eye quite badly to the point where the doctor said, right, we can't do any scans. You've got to sit still for like two to three weeks whilst we wait for things to settle and we can have a look. And I was like, oh, 
So I just get to play video games for two to three weeks. <laughs> no word of a lie. I played Fable, the first Fable game, over and over to the point where I could get from start to finish of that game in like a day, which for an RPG was all right. I loved the first Fable game. And then two, I liked a little bit less and three wasn't great and Legends nobody ever played. But I think it's it's cool. Like, I'm glad to see the Fable's coming back. I'm glad to see that it's Playground game. So this is the team that did the Forza Horizon game specifically. Okay. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see if, first of all, if they go back to Forza Horizons, maybe they've been pulled off Horizon. Um, we did mention Forza Motorsport very briefly earlier because we didn't see a lot of it. It just looked very pretty. But it is Forza Motorsport and not Motorsport 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. So maybe Forza Motorsport becomes this platform for racing and then Forza Horizon goes away. Um, but either way, Playground Games, which are a British studio as well, and that kind of British humour and culture and that sort of storybook uh, feel that you get from things like Harry Potter and stuff like that, that was all weaved and laced into Fable. So I'm glad to see that it's those guys working on it. It's been rumoured for a while, and I kind of could see it coming from that studio, but I'm really excited to see what that game turns into. I mean, Fable mm. means a lot for the people who play Fable. Every single Fable fan I've spoken to in my life nothing but good fins and uh, i thought what was weird though is is that i I was catching a little bit the pre-show and they already talked about fable they were like oh yeah i hope we see fable and it's just like one of those things that should you have just kind of left that out and i think they did say that peter molyneux peter molyneux would not be uh working uh on fable game yeah (laughs) he's a he's a long way away from that game i think yeah yeah well i think that's what's interesting to me is is that um those games kind of were so much of a you know i remember you know sort of all these things uh from peter molyneux before like fable 2 and even i think before the first ones just like you know, infamous for for promising all of these weird and wonderful things, which never yeah. actually manifested. Um, so it'd be interesting to to have another studio kind of take it on and, and pick up the mantle, because I think it is like it's it is one of those things that I think people do hold dear, but obviously has not really had an amazing game past the first one. So it's quite an interesting uh, yeah. sort of franchise, really. But to have something a bit more whimsical um, in a fantasy setting when everything seems to be moving more towards like serious, like Skyrim, those kind of, you know, like even, uh, I can't pronounce it properly, the, the, the new game from Obsidian, you know, sort of about yeah. that's it. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of going more into the sort of like dark fantasy kind of all these sorts of things. Like to have something a bit more whimsical, I think will be quite good actually. Yeah. I, I think for me, if, if Fable, it's great and it's fun i'll be happy and i think so my runaway love of xbox this generation is one that not a lot of people have backed but i i really enjoyed sea of thieves rare and a really important studio in the history of video games obviously because of just so much of the stuff they did right like banjo kazooie and and battletoads and things like that rare replay is great but like everwild is a game that in a similar vein where i'm like it just looks lighter it looks nicer it looks like a more pleasant experience as much as i love what i play on my playstation i can't really get those experiences on my playstation and mm. ratchet and clank maybe but even then ratchet and clank feels like a cartoon that even then takes itself quite seriously in places and stuff but it's a lot of fun but i, I think fable and everwild between the two of them can be really interesting games they can literally say you can't play not just you can't play this game anywhere else but you can't play a game like this anywhere else, which mm. could be a good one. And it was promising that they ended the conference with that because Fable is yeah. obviously 
you know, it, it proves that they've got faith in it and that they're banking yeah. on it. And that's what you want to hear with Fable because it's Fable. You know, what more yeah. can you say than that? And it's the right time to be making a new Fable game because I feel like it's what we want. It's yeah. what Xbox gamers want. And people I have think, been asking for it for such yeah. a long time. Yeah, mm. people would never. So I mean, so Lionhead Studios, who originally developed the games, and that was Peter Molyneux Studio, they went under pretty much. Like Microsoft shut them down. It was done. Like they're gone. And it sort of felt a little bit like, oh, is that it? We had Fable One and then Two, then Three was bad. Legends didn't even launch properly, or it did sort of in beta, I think, but didn't last very long. And then the studio was gone. And I think for them to to not just bring Fable back, you've got to assume it's some kind of not a reboot because they always do new stories and uh, like the Heroes Guild sort of sigil from the first, the, the, you know, earlier games. That's that's there in the trailer, which is quite nice. But also, a lot of people, I think, initially when they heard Playground Games were working on it, were a bit like, "Oh, the Forza guys." And I'm like, I get it, but in terms of just a fun, ra- like Forza is the one mm-hmm. game that fan people who don't play racing games enjoy playing. Forza. I, was, I, was, I was gonna say like, and um, when um game pass first came out and that was on forza horizon was on there i was like well i was just like okay let's give it a go and yeah. ended up just playing it for weeks and weeks and weeks solid because it's, it's just such a, it's just such a good game and as you say like even all of the little daft bits you know of, of people talking on the radio and having a bit of a joke yeah. there like it that sort of stuff does fill me with that sort of as i say confidence that you know sort of they can meet that tone um that fable kind of needs to hit really uh, yeah um cool are there any other games specifically we want to mention from the conference i think we've touched on a fair chunk of them to be fair but yeah i'm excited for psychonauts too um yes it's been yeah. a long time coming but yeah but that's pretty much it like kind of looks like more of this more of the same from the first game but that's not a particularly bad thing so it's quite a unique yeah, game so Tim Schafer yeah. working on it and uh, Jack Black yeah. doing the voice. I think Tim Schafer's also been it. really. There was a really interesting interview with him where they, I can't remember what the quote was exactly, but the quote was along something along the lines of, "Well, what would be the point of Microsoft buying Double Fine and then asking them to go and make a Halo game? Like it wouldn't make any sense. It's stupid. It's nonsense. It seems like they've." Tim Schafer's obviously agreed to this partnership and, and this relationship with Microsoft because he's just getting carte blanche to do what he wants. Just more mm. backing, more money to do what he wants. Um, I think Psychonauts, again, like Psychonauts 2, it looks like all Psychonauts, but I guess unlike Halo, it looks like a game that's a little bit older. It looks like an old school game. It looks like it could have come out three, four, five, six years ago, if not further back, but it still looks amazing. Mm. I still want to play it. It looks great. And it's Tim Schafer and Double Fine. Like, they don't... They've got a lot of games that I think slip under the radar, but none of them are a miss. Mm. You know, like I've missed them. That's my fault. They didn't miss them out yeah. when I missed the game. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think that's going to be great. I think Psychonauts is a great sort of game to see coming back, and I think Double Fine are going to do some really cool stuff. Uh, cool. So uh, in that case, we will sort of continue on this Xbox conversation because um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit. I will, we'll get into streaming and cloud services and so on a little bit in it. And I think we'll sort of bleed in it and I'll let you lead that bit a little bit, Harry, because that's where you want to take the conversation, I think. But um, I just wanted to talk about, for me, I've seen it happening for a while. I know where the Xbox ecosystem sits in my sort of gaming, you know, 
sphere. And it feels like it's a service of, I know I'm not going to get the best games on Xbox, but as a value for money proposition, and in terms of just a great place to be able to just dive in and play games and experience games, that seems like that's what Xbox want this to be. They don't want to be throwing punches with PlayStation anymore, the way they have done in generations past. I feel like this is a certifiable and kind of permanent change in direction of Xbox. It feels to me like they're going you're not going to get the quality that you're seeing at PlayStation all the time, but you're going to get some damn high quality and you're going to get a huge amount of quantity and a huge selection of games. Mm. Um, and I'm I'm all about it. You know, I, I think it's great. And I think that's what they were showing off here more than anything. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Like, There's all these rumors about um, them having this cheaper console for the next gen, isn't there as well? Yeah. Um, you know, and it is that kind of... I, I think the main sort of thing is that's turning that, I think, is... is they're things like Game Pass, because if you can go to someone, um, you know, you, you think about it, especially coming into like the new console launch, parents going and buying them for their kids, you go, okay, here's a 200 pound console, you know, you pay your, your 10, 13 quid a month or whatever, and you just got all these games, you know, <laughs> like. Uh, work, I, I, <laughs> working in retail, uh, we come across a lot of um, parents uh at the arcade vaults and every single one of them go up and say right i've bought the console i bought a couple of games and now they want all these more games which cost all this much more yeah and for me like i mean for me playstation had i am a playstation fan i've had playstation consoles i've played those exclusives so the announcements in the playstation showcase meant more to me it made me go oh i've got to get that i've got to play horizon the next horizon i've got to play spider-man uh but with the xbox one i did think right even though playstation does that of in that conference there were probably going to be around four five-ish games that i might play with xbox Oh, um, however much Games Pass costs, you get all of these. You can play these yeah. as soon as they come out. And I just thought, whoa. Like, well, if you, that, that, so, I, I mean, remember... it's been understated, but that's just like, that, that, that basically tells you that the Xbox Series X will be good value. Yeah. And you can say that, like, they definitely don't want you to think that, oh, yeah, it's a lower quality. Xbox definitely don't want to put that into no, customers' yeah. heads, even, even if PlayStation is doing well. But like to think, like even if you've got uh, doubts about Halo, even if you're not sure about the next State of Decay, you're going to be able to get the chance to play it at a good price right there as soon as it comes out. Yeah. I think the big one for me last year was Outer Worlds, where I suddenly sat there and went, well, I know a bunch of people that are paying full price for this game on PlayStation. Yeah. Now, I've don't get me wrong, I've, not everyone has the luxury of, of being able to buy multiple consoles, and some people have to kind of pick their machine and stick with it, and I appreciate that. But for me, it was a point where I was like, well, if I had to make a decision between one or the other, I would genuinely struggle now, because for the price of Outer Worlds on the PlayStation 4, I had not just Outer Worlds, but six months, or four or five months, worth of just content. You know, yeah. Red Dead came out on that in that period. So many other games did. Yeah, I, I think it. Yeah, because for me, so I, I've not got an Xbox. Like my my only console for the, for this generation is is the PS4. But I was in a similar thing to you. So I was I was really excited for Outer Worlds when when that's coming out. Um, and they were like, because there's a version of Game Pass which is even cheaper if you just get the PC 
um, one. Yes. So, and they did a promotion at the same time and said, basically, you can have four months for three quid. And I was like, I'm, I'm sure I'll play a lot of Outer Worlds in that time. Yeah. Ended up playing more, play, play, end up playing more of Forza, um, as it transpired. But either way, <laughs> like I probably wouldn't have not played. I wouldn't have played Forza otherwise. I brought and yeah. a bunch of other little sort of indie games and things like that that they had on there, all for much cheaper than I would have, you know, spent on one game. Now, you know, as we say, sort of those exclusives then kind of push you more towards PlayStation if those are things that you're interested in. But I think for a general purpose gaming machine, um. Yeah, as you say, it's, it's a difficult one to kind of go. Don't buy it. It's like, well, you yeah. know, it's such a good value proposition that you kind of have to really consider it. And um, Xbox did kind of end their showcase. They said, right, here's the Game Pass, uh, and coming up next is Halo. I believe that they should have after the Halo. Uh, no, not Halo. Sorry, Fable. I believe that after the Fable announcement, they should have just went. I mean, I know they obviously had the icon that said Game Pass. Yeah. I believe they should have said, right, all of this, it's with Game Pass, right after Fable, yeah. because that would have run for your mind. When PlayStation ended their conference, they had the new hardware. And when you came out of it, yeah, we've seen all of these games, but oh, this is what the new PlayStation is going to be. And it became that big conversation piece. And obviously, Fable, the new Fable, is what we want wanted to hear. But I think, you know, if you get the new fable ending it off i mean i guess you don't want it to be the same thing to playstation you've got to kind yeah. of go all right we can't make the same thing but i genuinely do think it was almost understated they did talk about it but like that that i think would be a system seller especially to people who are kind of on the fence with both consoles uh i it, it's such good value and um I believe Jason Schreier, uh, as we talked about him earlier, I believe he tweeted the other day that the Xbox Game Pass is unsustainable, though. It's, I an, unsustainable, that, yeah. it's an unsustainable business model, which makes me think, are there going to be changes to it in the near future? Does that create a bit of uncertainty going forward? Because, like, you, you can't keep doing it then if, if it's unsustainable, it's, can you? Uh, it's a difficult I think. I think it's a really great vehicle to push people towards xbox i don't think xbox is the whole picture mm. <clears throat> and with that i'd like to sort of segue into your sort of talking point harry if we could mm. yeah so so my sort of talking point was kind of like um how i feel like this whole generation kind of by the end of it we could we could be talking about the fact that the, the you know the hardware really doesn't matter at all um, you know, we were kind of going back to Destiny 2 where they're going like, they don't care where we play it. Um, I think gaming's kind of got big enough that you kind of got to almost treat it like um, like Netflix, really. Um, you know, and in going back to the point we were just saying about, about but it being unsustainable, Netflix kind of had the same thing. Um, and then now kind of moved into doing their own programming so they can make it somewhat sustainable and maybe that's what they're looking to do here with all these like well, we've bought all these studios we're in control of all their finances yeah. you know and all that sort of thing and you've got to think that microsoft is is a, is a big company as well. they're the same as sony but you know there's not just the the gaming arm of it um but then they've got all because they've got all that other stuff so they, you know the microsoft's a big other business now they don't really sell um windows anymore it's all their cloud services for, for enterprise stuff all their azure stuff which has obviously then informed then things like xCloud. Um, 
so i think that's maybe what they're going to move more towards and kind of go it doesn't really you know if you if you've got a tablet kids got a tablet is game pass yeah. stick it on there 15 you don't even got, haven't even got to buy the console you know um so that's i think the thing and that's why i wanted to choose that moment to segue yeah it almost feels like game pass right now is a sort of sleeper agent to get people into xbox mm. with the long-term plan that it'll pull them into xbox they'll experience this cloud experience through xbox and by the end of this generation you won't need it you know i'm speaking to you guys now on, on an ipad pro that i've got mm. if i had access to xcloud and high-speed internet it would look great i would i would just i'd go to the xbox design lab i would design my own xbox controller and i'd sit here and I'd play it on my ipad i really would because yeah. it'd look great well that's it it's like so so i i feel like i'm in probably the minority of people but i but i keep interest in this sort of thing since things like on live like years and years and years ago <laughs> yeah um that, that, that we weren't quite ready then um but probably since september last year i've been using a service called um shadow which is basically just here's a gaming pc in the cloud um and fortunately my internet's fairly good so it's it's worked really well for that you know i've not had a gaming piece an actual physical gaming pc for for years at this point i wanted to get back into pc gaming and they're just like well 12 pounds a month and i can have a whole pc in the cloud couple that then with game pass as well and it's sort of like then you know 20 pound a month and you sort of just go and play all of these games yeah they're going to be doing yeah right we, we you know, know they're rolling x cloud and game pass into one of the same thing yeah I, and and that has all the advantages that the um x cloud is kind of coming out with going i can play that on my phone i can play that on my ipad i can link controllers up to it you know it's the whole shebang i don't think that that many many people will go for that because they'll sort of go why do i need a whole pc in the cloud things like that but the fact that you can just go um because i heard a story earlier when sort of reading through all of our articles for today that um they're doing a partnership with samsung as well the rumors is that they're going to try and push that for the next note to kind of be like this is the mm-hmm. xbox phone okay. and pre-install x cloud and give you some maybe like three months mm-hmm. or something for free as a trial um because they've got that sort of partnership there and they're talking as well in, yeah. in this as well with the partnerships that they've got with um carriers at least in the, in the US and things and hardware partners and things so I really think if they came along and sort of like um sort of going okay we can give you an exemption on your um data bill for the month if you're using xcloud that's not going to count against your thing suddenly then that's like well I can play anywhere um yeah and that's play you, anything, I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah if you think now so for your standard sort of sports package on tv it's pretty pricey I know as part of my package i got full access to uh, bt sport mm. so you're talking about well me and will are big wrestling fans we're always going on about mm. wrestling all of the wwe programming that's on bt sport right your football's on there yeah. yeah a lot of your champions league stuff is on there and things if they can get that kind of deal where you know i can go into my carrier and i can just say well what plans have you got for me well we can do this this and this and i can check in six months of of xbox game pass what does that mean you can just play Xbox Game Pass on your phone. Yeah. What? Like going go, going to someone who doesn't play games to get, to, for example, someone who's just going to buy the next phone, and it doesn't even matter if that phone particularly is is particularly powerful. It doesn't have to be the best phone ever, as yeah. long as it can stream video to it. And you can go, you can play Halo on your phone. And you're like, what, like a mobile version? Like, no, the actual full, you know, Xbox version. Yeah. You can just play that on your phone. You just got to buy a con- you know, buy a controller. And you just be like, wow, okay. That's impressive, right? You know, and 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 this is this is what I feel, like, and this is where I think that 
Um, Sony could be ahead at the beginning of this console generation, but then not fall behind. Because I think actually that these two sort of um, strategies can be in tandem, at least for the time being. Yeah. Um, you know, and Sony really sort of going for, okay, we're going to go down the traditional. This is what you know. This is what I was saying earlier about sort of like banking on their current business model. And Microsoft going, okay, well, that's not working for us. Um, but, you know, we're working all into all of these services. You know, Office, you don't buy anymore. That's a subscription. You know, everything is just all on subscription at this point. Yeah, yeah, well, you know. so like, I, th- I think, because we talk a lot about Xbox, because we know that Microsoft with Azure and everything that they've got there, they've got the infrastructure built in. Yeah. And PlayStation have, it's there, it's understated, and it's not their game plan right now. Mm-hmm. But we know they invested a whole bunch of money years ago in Gaikai. We know PlayStation Now is there. And the number that I, well, not the number, but the statement I always hear thrown around is Xbox Game Pass is incredibly successful for Xbox. But PlayStation Now actually makes more money for PlayStation mm-hmm. than Game Pass does for Xbox. Now, that's not because PlayStation Now is a better service. That's just sheer adoption rate. There's so many yeah. there's so many more PlayStations out there in, in the environment that, of course, there's a higher um, attach rate with PlayStation Now. But it's it's something that I think if PlayStation don't, I keep thinking that there's something coming with PlayStation. We know they've got a digital only console coming. I would love, really love for them to do something really ballsy, like say, well, okay, we'll give you three months of PlayStation now. You can stream it or you can download it. And also Ghost of Shima and The Last of Us, that's there on that service at launch. Mm. Because that's that's where... It, it's it's weird because it comes this one-two punch and you see people like Corey Barlog from uh, Sony Santa Monica so the director of God of War he was there celebrating with the Xbox people being like this is great I'm really excited for Halo you see that communal thing from a development point of view because we're all gamers and even when we make games we love games and, and that's awesome but I think from a business point of view it could be a really nasty sort of jab for PlayStation to just go okay you think Game Pass is good we'll do it too then and we'll yeah. do it better because we've got more machines out there. That's the thing. But how stable will it be for them? Yeah, well, this is, this is it. It's interesting you bring up the point as well that it's not sustainable. Um, to sort of what that looks like in in the future. Um, that because that's the other thing, isn't it? Because you, you can't go making these uh, several you know million dollar games off you know fifteen pound a month. That's not all going to that one developer like you look at things like spotify and that still doesn't make money for people you know they're, yeah. they're still they're still not making profit um so it's it's, it's how sustainable all these um subscription things are but for as as a gamer though it it really makes a lot of sense and if yeah. you know and i think back to that sony could have done it if they kept a thing you know like things like if if they brought out their vita tv now admittedly probably would have to brand yeah. as something different but sort of going okay here's a yeah. hundred pound box that you plug into your tv and you'll just stream all the games to it like yeah you know um that's a really good proposition if you then couple that with going a hey, 15 20 really a month, like yeah yeah but I, I do think you made a really good point there which is I, i've said it a few times on the podcast and i've said it a few times in conversation with people and they always roll their eyes <laughs> gaming is an expensive hobby mm. it is it's 50 quid a pop for a video game yeah. You know, the, the machines are two, three hundred, maybe even four hundred pounds. Who knows what next gen looks like? So it isn't an it's not a cheap hobby, but we are grossly underpaying for games when you look at any other medium. Mm. You know, when you look at 
well, we paid 50 quid for games, 50, 60 quid for games 10 years ago on the last gen. And we, the industry just hasn't accounted for inflation because it's hyper competitive, mm. which is worrying because these games are bigger, more complicated, and cost a whole lot more money than they did 10 years ago as well. So, as much as from a consumer point of view, you're like, this is great. This is such a good value proposition. You know, 50 quid yeah. for a game, in that being reduced to 12, 15 pounds a month, that's a, that, that's a, we shouldn't we should be paying more not less from an industry point of view from a consumer point of view we don't want to mm. but it's there's I, a I, lot I, that I, needs to be ironed out and, and looked into there i think the, the, the question really comes then is then that, that it could be um all speculative i don't know enough this is just me thinking out loud now is that we're getting more and more games kind of moving to this you need a subscription for our game you know buying yeah. stuff buying a battle pass for our game and you know, I, and I'm sure that's probably sort of the angle. Destiny Two is sort of taking, kind of seeing how much money Fortnite has made, probably just out of you know, in-app purchases Absolutely. and things like that. You know, sort of whether whether they're just going, okay, well, let's prop up all of our business on the small majority of people who spend a lot of money on these games, um, because that yeah. is ultimately more sustainable. You know, why why even if you if you charged a hundred pounds, why only get that once? Yeah. Absolutely, you know, yeah. And when yeah, you get it several times, and and, so and the conflict for me because because it's like you know sort of that's what we're used to paying you know the one set fee, and you know there's there's all these other issues that come with that sort of going let's let's give you things piecemeal and let's yeah. you know keep on charging you for stuff. Um, but I think it'd be really interesting, like you know, all, all of these new technologies open up all of these different windows for different um, sort of practices and different ways to do things and you know when we're looking at the you know in another seven years time when when this next new generation is kind of over whether it even whether that hardware even matters anymore you know yeah whether there will be another console generation yeah i, I think it's there's a lot there's a lot to think about right a kind of what the long term looks i think obviously what you don't want is you know i, I opened the talking points by saying well it feels like Xbox are gearing, even if they're not shouting about it and they'd never phrase it as quantity over quality. That's what it feels like for me. Mm. And that's what you don't want to get into the habit of, right? Like these PlayStation games are reviewing really well. They look really great. They're, you know, they're received really well. The last of us was for different reasons, but they're trying stuff and they're doing stuff and they're making a lot of money doing it. What you don't really want to see is a degradation in that. Because yeah. we're not paying, yeah, potentially you, what the games realistically cost, you know. Yeah, you, you know, you don't want. I've, I've not played. I've not got around to playing Last of Us two yet. But you, you wouldn't want each sort of section of that to be split up into a, a fifty pound like yeah. thing, you know. Um, or you got to pay month, you know, maybe not a game that would last you months, but you know, you got to pay every session you log in, you know, or something daft like that, you know. Um, yeah. And I think, that, as I say, like I think that's why we've got all of these games kind of move into these, like, we can continually build on this platform. And it's sort of what we were saying about maybe that's what Forza's doing as well. And potentially what Fable could be doing is going, it doesn't matter that yeah, it's, you know, actually, yeah. effectively Fable 4. Um, Halo even. Yeah, they, it, does, it, it they, doesn't matter. They've got like, a whole Halo to unlock for us over a generation. Yeah, say, yeah. Two, right? 
you know and it is kind of like it's interesting because it's as i say like i said earlier sort of i've I've gone back to playing uh, world of warcraft just while we've been in in lockdown because it's that sort of familiar thing to me you know it's it's a game that's you know been going for 17 years at this point comfort food isn't it yeah well that's it i've got my same characters that i started 17 years ago you know (laughs) on that thing but being able to dip back into into that you know that's that's still something that i guess is is kind of one of those pioneers of going like there's a subscription fee every month and that's how we're going to continue to bring you new content you know um and that that'd be my worry is if we get something like game pass but then actually then to do anything within those games is then you're being charged another like i'm already at sort of subscription fatigue in some ways as as good as good as i think it is you know um from from a value prospect you know when you sort of add up all the different subscriptions and different things you've got you're kind of like "Mm, actually um spending quite a lot of money here yeah yeah so yeah (laughs) (laughs) no i mean it's it'll be interesting to see it kind of go down and i think you're right yeah like that i think these streaming services aren't going to aren't going to go away anytime soon um it'll just be interesting to see how it sort of how it changes the games that are made right and the games that are received and the games that are are played um which i guess in a way sort of segues kind of um but will you you brought a topic uh, forward, which I think is actually really interesting, especially when you look at Xbox over the last few years and PlayStation, you can see you can look at sales all day long, but I feel like when you look at criticism, you look at critique, you look at the way these games are received, you can really see the disparity between what these two companies are doing, right? Um, what was the topic that you wanted to bring to the table, Will? So, I, I wanted to talk a lot about like video game criticism. It's obviously been in the news uh, for the past couple of weeks, and it's just something that today I just felt that like I had to talk about just because... So, recently, Last of Us 2 came out. Critics loved it. Users, review bombs, people like it, people don't like it. I think video game criticism... I mean, criticism in any entertainment industry. I think video game criticism is hugely important i think it's important for the industry i think it's important to me as a consumer i love reading just what people and just listening and finding out what people think of a video game what people like about some you know what do they like about it what this does well what it doesn't do well and uh we talked about like metacritic would go to toshima last week saying that oh they have to wait three days for it to come out is it going to do make a difference how does metacritic work as a system and metacritic is so big that i want metacritic to do as well as it possibly could i was reading you know i used to read metacritic reviews around five years ago and stuff like that because it was basically just like a large platform where you could like read what people thought about a game both critics and users alike and i think it's it's important to know what everyone thinks you know not just the people who are journalists but anyone the problem is though is is that it's about meta scores nowadays and with the last of us 2 it became almost the topic of the game in the sense of i i really like the last of us 2 like it had it wasn't perfect but I had so much energy from that game when playing it. It was a game that was invested in it, and it was one of those games that, like, once I stopped playing it, I was still thinking about it. And any game that does that in a positive way, where I'm not, like, ranting and raving, I always have nothing but good things to say. But 
just due to the st- we, we're not going to spoil anything, but just due to the style of what the game does, in theory, this would be the best game to, to look at a review for, regardless of scores, even though I think scores are an important part, regardless of scores, just to get into a whole kind of new discussion about what this game does, does it do it well, and given that it's The Last of Us, was it the right thing to do? How did you react to it? There are really good negative reviews online. I have seen them. I've I've seen some people criticize the game and say, I didn't like it. It, it didn't really do it for me. I thought it was too much. And there are people who really, really like it. But when you look at people who are streaming this game, people just talking about this game, reviews didn't come up. It was just a lot of the game's agenda, a lot of what this happened, what this happened, you know, and it, it distracted from anything that even the game was actually doing. It became something in of itself because a lot of people just wanted to see it fail. And a lot of people yeah. didn't like it for, you know, political reasons. Well, political. Yeah. And, it, it, and it's really sad to hear because that shouldn't be the case. Because this game should be, I mean, I did just say it, but it should be that prototype example of, right, what did you think about it? What was your takeaway from it? Because Naughty Dog did do something, for better or worse, they did something which they made a game which they didn't just go, okay, let's make the same thing as the first one. They really tried to make you think in this one. And I think the takeaway of it should have been whether it was a great game, whether it was a disappointing sequel, I think it would be better that we were talking about the game rather than Last of Us and just thinking about an outrage and just thinking about something that happens, thinking about death threats, thinking about stuff like that. Everything just kind of makes it feel like when you say The Last of Us 2, even though my time playing that video game was very good, it was almost irrelevant when you actually say The Last of Us 2. Because I don't think of The Last of Us 2. I just think of the controversy of The Last of Us 2. And I just kind of... The the, the point of what I was trying to make is how should we critique games in future? Because obviously negative criticism is... does belong in the game industry. This isn't trying to hide any of The Last of Us problems. Yeah. But like... We certainly need to find a way to be a bit more civil about it. I don't know. What are your guys' takeaways on it? Because I was talking for a while there, but yeah, I mean, it's just something that I, it really annoys me. Just the yeah. reaction that's come out to this. So what I will say, like, so we'll we'll have a chat about this now. Like, so none of us, unless Harry, you have experience that I'm not aware of. I don't think any of us are, are journalists, right? So we're not video game journalists okay. by any stretch. We're video game players. We're enthusiasts. We're we're not influencing anyone, but we'd probably, if anything, fall under that influencer banner, right? And I think it's been a really interesting week, actually, because I saw that you added this, and I'm really glad that you did, because there were two podcasts that I listened to this week. One was um, IGN's Game Scoop, where they talked about this exactly, uh, about where it was a kind of discussion about what the job of a reviewer and a review site is, what it is that they're supposed to do, and this idea that the opinion and the discourse around video games should determine what's happening because in an age of to science what we're speaking to of, of earlier in an age of subscription services and platforms where you jump in and the first thing that happens is a company a corporate entity with products to sell you goes you should play this 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 and this you we, we need someone to sit there and go well actually you could play all those things 
but these are the things that you should probably be looking at, right? So there's that element that I think is really interesting. Um, and as well as that Gamescoop episode, kind of funny, um, who are a company out of San Francisco, a couple of guys that used to work for IGN, but they've left now. Uh, Greg Miller did an interview with uh, Andy McNamara, who used to be the editor-in-chief of Game Informer, where they talked specifically about video game magazines. And obviously that used to be a point of access. There was no user reviews before. The user reviews were what your friends told you. You know, you'd go to school and you say, did you play it? Yeah, I played it. Is it good? Yeah, it's amazing. I didn't read any magazine reviews about Spider-Man 2 when it came out. It was strictly friends telling me the film's great. Well, the film's going to be great. The video game is amazing. You have to play it. And that's what pushed me to go play it. But now that I'm a little bit older, I have to be a little more selective. I feel like the role of journalism and critiques, I'm not a big fan of scores as such. I think it's a little bit arbitrary to mm. drop a, a score or a grade or a point system on a game. I think it's it's too vague. And I think you brought up The Last of Us 2. And again, we'll stay away from spoilers, so don't run away if you're worried about spoilers. Um, but there are there are decisions made in that game that upset people. The decisions in that game that I thought were great, that I didn't agree with, da 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 that game was a 10 out of 10 masterpiece, not just for what it did, but for what it had the courage to do. And I think that's the thing that gets me. Like there are decisions with the narrative structure of that game and the way that game is built that if you don't like it, you're just going to say that's bad because that's not how I play my games, right? If you were to look at movies, you look at The Godfather and you go, well, okay, that's a linear start to finish movie. And you go, that's great. That's how I like my movies. Well, somebody could quite realistically go, the Godfather Part 2 is garbage. One minute you're with Al Pacino, the next minute you're with De Niro, you're in different eras, you're jumping back and forth, there's no one protagonist, there's no one story, I don't know what's going on, this is all confusing me. I said, well, I get that you don't like it, but there needs to be a bigger conversation about what that is doing for this experience, right? And by saying, I didn't like it, it's a three, you're almost kind of robbing someone of an experience where they might go, I agree it's a three, I didn't like it. God damn, I've never played a game that works like that before. And it's really interesting. And I wonder what video games could look like that that I might like. Am I making sense? Yeah. Yeah, I I I think it's it's uh, I think it's something that Chris has talked about before. It's like you kind of have to for for me at least anyway, I know who online in terms of journalists or like reviewers online that sort of have a similar mindset to me or like similar things or or even people that I know particularly dislike something that I may like, you know, gives you, you kind of have to calibrate um, kind of your thought process and kind of go, okay, if they're liking this, they like this other game that I also quite like. So possibly they're saying that it's similar to this, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's difficult, isn't it? So, so I think that the comparison with film is kind of where it always sort of comes down to when I've talked to people about it. But I think games require a lot more commitment than a film. So I think it needs to be looked at, slight, looked at slightly differently. You know, sort of your your biggest commitment for a film would be, you know, really go, taking time to go to the cinema, sitting down for a couple of hours. You know, admittedly, you know, cinema can be quite expensive, but it's nowhere near sort of the, the 50, 60 quid for a, for a game. And you've had to have bought a console and, you know, all this sort of stuff. So, you know, if, if a film is bad, ultimately, at the end of the day, eh, it's, it's a bit, you know you wasted a couple of hours and, and 20, 30 quid maybe like, but you know, to get all the way through a game, for example, and have like the end of it be not pay off what it's doing after, you know, you spent 200 hours in it or something. You kind of just like, well, 
Yeah, it's kind of you know, there's a lot more investment. I feel like both from a monetary point of view and yeah. from a time point of view that that we kind of have to look at it a bit differently. And I feel like um, we've basically just copied the film you know industry because that's the that's the closest sort of analog that people have got and just kind of run with it for ages um you know and and the magazine point is is, is an interesting one as well because because i used to you know i used to read you know a couple of different game magazines when i was a kid um but again you, you'd pick the ones that kind of were that you thought you liked the reviews of you know if, yeah. if suddenly if suddenly a magazine did a review of a game that I really liked and went no it was like okay I'll buy a different magazine then for one that because we want that confirmation bias almost as well like to kind of go well oh, I like this game She's someone else likes it. this game so yeah so it's it's difficult so I think it's something like I've not played Last of Us two but I can imagine that, that you know sort of what we're talking about in sort of context um and sort of going like should we look at games instead of did they achieve what they set out to do. Is a more interesting question than is it good or not like you know if you know because comparing something like last of us 2 to say like this new tetris game is coming out on the xbox is a completely different like you can't yeah. grade them on the scheme on the same thing you know sort of go because i'd look at tetra that that tetris game and kind of go does it bring something new to tetris like that would be it's like that's you know kind of what it's got to do for me to be a good game Whereas yeah. Last of Us got to go, well, does it build upon what was there in the first game? Does it do anything? Does it, you know, kind of just ride that through? Does it do something different? Is the thing that it did different fit within the franchise? Does it, you know, play well? You know, there's, there's all of these different questions that I feel like is, is more of a, you know, you've almost got to kind of write an essay about like sort of what you think the intentions yeah. of the game are rather than just going, yeah, well, the graphics weren't very good though. So yeah, it's an F game, right? Yeah. Which uh, I, I, I feel think like it's a really good point. I feel like, there's a couple of bits there, like, immediately I'm like, yeah, I, I always tend to forget the the feeling of commitment. I've kind of detached myself now to the point where I'm like, I'll play and I'm like, take me for take me on a ride. Like, let's let's go. And I detach myself quite well to it. And I'm similar with TV shows. I'm like, well, don't get me wrong, the last season of Game of Thrones upset me as much as it did everybody else. But I was kind of like, they did what they did and it was their thing, right? Like, I... I was lucky to experience the first several seasons that I did enjoy. And if it didn't end well, well, that's, you know, they, they dropped the ball there, not me. But I, I think, yeah, when we talk about sort of user reviews and stuff, especially, there is an element of that commitment. I think the only other place that we can look, because again, I, I draw parallels to film because it's sort of what, what I know in the first place I really started analyzing media, I guess, in a way. But yeah, TV is probably the only other place you've ever really come across it, right? Like the way that people reacted to Game of Thrones, or even before that, if you go all the way back to uh, Lost, and the way that people just yeah. rallied against Lost, because it wasn't just this story isn't going where I wanted it to go. It was that feeling of have I just wasted dozens of my yeah. time, dozens of hours of my time. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm totally with you. Like I, I was one of those people for for Lost, you know, sitting on forums, listening to about four different podcasts, you know, and it was coming out going like, what, you know, yeah, yeah. I was what is invented. chaos theory? Yeah. <laughs> polar bears egyptian hieroglyphs there's some <laughs> link here somewhere but it, you know it is like and, and that's the and i think um as i've got older my time for playing games is, is definitely sort of narrowed um so yeah. the reviews are important and and, and you, but it's like with tv like if someone says to me oh yeah you've you got to watch the tv show but the first four seasons you've got to just kind of ride them through then it gets really good after that i was like i don't have the time sorry <laughs> like, nope 
it I'm needs out. to be good from the beginning. Like, uh, otherwise, yeah. I'm just not going to commit to it. You know, I'm really like, forcing myself through Clone Wars at the minute, where I'm like, they keep saying it gets good, and when it gets good, it's <laughs> really good. Like, gotta get through this because it's Star Wars. Yeah. So, the, the time commitment, but then it, it, it as I say, the, the sort of combination of the two, then you kind of, for me, that's why I kind of rely on reviews a lot because, you know, I've not got the the, the money to spend it. I had as a kid on these sorts of things i'm not got the time to spend either you know and you, you sort of got to go and i think that's sort of why over the sort of last couple of generations as, as the sort of demographics for for gaming have, have gotten older that sequels have become more prolific because it's easy to go well i like the last x yeah. game there's a new one out it's a pretty safe bet if i want to play a game that it's probably yeah. going to be more of the same so let's go you know i, I imagine that's probably why you know like FIFA and all the other sports games, you know, kind of rely on that really to kind of go. There yeah, are people that, that that is the only game that they buy every year, you know. And then I guess you know to loop it back around to the last, it was when you've made a game that a lot of people thought broke new ground and was such a step up. Then mm. you go and make a sequel, and you're like, well, you know, Neil Druckmann and that team there have made it crystal clear, like we're here to push the medium. Yeah. Right. If we're not pushing the envelope and we're not trying to do something different, we're wasting our time. So for a lot of people, they were going into that expecting The Last of Us 2, and what they actually got was the second part of the story told from a studio that were willing to try and do something different. Yeah, And I think when we talk about how should we critique games, I don't think there's one platform or one... You know, I, I, don't, I say that I'm not a fan of numbers, but I get that that goes a long way for a lot of people, and that doesn't work for me. It doesn't mean that it doesn't have value. But I think the main thing when it comes to critiquing them and stuff is just... It, I've said it so many times, there's so many different versions, but it's such a simple phrase that carries so much weight. Just don't be a dick. Mm, yeah. like, <laughs> like, it's not... like I. The thing that frustrated me so much about The Last of Us, because it's such a recent example, I'll go back to it, I totally understand people not liking that game. There were elements of that game that even now I would love to sit down with someone from Naughty Dog and be like, I think I like this, but I'm not sure I did. And were there different ways to do it? And could you have told that story in different ways? That's a conversation to have. Turning around to Laura Bailey, possibly one of the most talented voice actors and actresses, actors period, in the industry right now, and saying, you deserve to die because you played a character that somebody else had decided to take in whatever direction they took them, that's not cool, right? Like, Neil Druckmann's team Naughty Dog, they made that game and they made decisions with how they wanted to make it. No one deserves to have their life threatened over that. No, not at all. There are always going to be... be... Have conversations about that stuff. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's always going to be overzealous fans that take things, like, you know, the wrong way. Even in game criticism, even in a way where we find, you know, if Metacritic kind of you know, I, I thought it was a good platform a couple of years ago, you know, or, you know, five-ish years ago. Of course, there was a lot of tens, zeros and stuff mm. like that. But it was a good way that people opened up. And, yeah, of course, there were overzealous people who hated, just, they could they hated this game. But I think it's just important that we don't brand any video game as being, like, outside of what it is. And that's what's happened with The Last of Us. And yeah. even with a lot of popular, you know, well widely hated games i'm kind of thinking of like you know fallout 76 as one it, it's a game that you know obviously there was a lot of things that bethesda did that were wrong there 
and there was a lot of business practices that they kept doing. But even in that circumstance, there was so much stuff that was targeted towards Todd Howard, and there was so much stuff where the game criticism, it got lost just in the mass hatred of kind of what came of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, abuse is a word that I think when it comes to criticizing video games isn't thrown around enough. It's like it's abusive to double down on someone for work like that. Like everyone's trying to do their best. Yeah. Yeah, And and the Internet, unfortunately, has a a tendency to go, ah, someone of some sort of prominence doesn't agree with this particular person. So let's just jump on it because um, someone else has, you know, sort of raised that it may be this person's fault that I didn't like this game. And it's like, well, not every game is for every person. That's that's mm-hmm. ultimately what it comes down to. You yeah. know, not not every piece of meat. You know, it, it could It'd be... be really boring if it was. If yeah. It were. yeah, you know, it'd be a really boring industry if it was. Okay. So it, yeah, it's it's really difficult, and I think that the um to to have good reviews, as we're saying, like you you've got to you've got to take your your own angle for it. If as as someone who would be reviewing it, and some sort of aggregator for like Metacritic, unfortunately, doesn't really meet those needs where everyone's review you know unless it was just a here is a collection of all the reviews we're not going to aggregate them into a score here is just we've just we're just an aggregator of reviews read through them yeah. unfortunately you know people on the, we, we don't want to read the whole article sometimes you know that's why i think scores are still relevant to some people so i've not got the time to read this whole yeah. 17 page thesis on on the last of us two I just want to see. Oh, it's nine out of ten. Cool. Okay, it's yeah. probably worth getting then. Um, it's I difficult, it's all, isn't it? It, like... it, it? I think it just takes an element of the knee-jerk reaction is is never one that's worth taking, right? Because it's it's a reaction. It's not any proper thought, you know. And like even when it comes down to scores, like I mean, I can yeah, I, I can say this because it was you know he's not here, but I'm sure he'll defend himself next week. But Chris initially <laughs> was like. It's getting eights. Ghost of Tsushima is getting eights. I haven't got time to play games anymore. I'm not playing an eight. And I had to be like, trust me, it, there's reasons it's an eight. The reasons that say that it's an eight are completely justified. This is a game you have to play. Mm. And we had that conversation, and he's gone and he's played it. And unless something has changed starkly over the last couple of hours when I've not checked my phone, he's really enjoying it. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's, it's that discourse that I think is the big one. And I, I do agree that kind of score aggregation and stuff is tricky because sometimes people do want to go, cool, I can play it, and they don't want to read through long-form articles and stuff. Um, but I, I just think reasonable conversation has, has got to be the way that it goes, right? Mm. Even if mm-hmm. it's in the form of a review that's a little bit of a one-sided conversation, that that's okay. Yeah, I mean, it. it that's what I mean. It's like, it's like if, if I, I want someone ultimately, you know, to go... Or if you if you're taking you know games website X you know to have someone okay this is this is the person who reviews racing games this is the person who reviews these sorts of games to kind of go okay this is the targeted person they're looking specifically at this particular genre and saying whether it, it works well in this and it, okay it's crossed over into another genre so I'm going to ask the other person from from this other team who covers this particular yeah. type of game to, to to add their viewpoint onto it and say okay these are the interesting you know there's it it's such a big sort of thing now and, and i think it's just going to continue to be an issue as the industry gets bigger and bigger more and more people are interested in gaming that i don't i don't think there is one good answer unfortunately um no you know but sort mm-hmm. of I, I think unfortunately letting people sort of quickly 
add reviews, even if they're now a couple of days after or whatever, they said it's like three days after on Metacritic now. Um, you know, people, I think just for reviews in general, are, you know, if you're going out of your way as a user, so take journalists out of it, the equation now, probably most people go, well, leave a review if it's really good or it's really bad in their opinion. Yeah. There's no there's no middle ground because you're not really motivated. It's like, oh, okay, it's okay. Like, you know, that's why you end up, well, you're saying, you know, you end up with lots of ones and lots of tens because that score is arbitrary in the middle. So I, th I feel yeah. like, we, you know, I think we'd be a better place if we just all collectively decided that that's not the way to do it personally. But I, then... I, I just want to add to that and say, I don't mind really any rating system, even stuff like where you can rate something you know hour 10 whatever and even if you do give a one hour 10 review a 10 hour 10 because i still think it's worth listening to because it could get to a point that this really popular game that everyone loves you just didn't like it you just didn't like yeah. it and it, for you there was no redeeming value of it and you could say well that score it's arbitrary it is arbitrary and it is subjective it is subjective but video games are subjective too and you know it shouldn't generalized reviews because so many times you know with we'll, we'll take like death stranding like you know you could give that game a score but there's so much to impact with a game like death stranding and a game yeah. like last of us 2 and the other more but like you know it that it shouldn't be defined on what someone gave it a rating as but i do think it's a good summarization and i do think it's a good reflection on what you're talking about so i just hope kind of we're able to change the industry in a way where it just becomes a little bit more i don't like this game this didn't work the gameplay it wasn't very good the graphics they were okay you know interesting enough worlds but it went on way too long rather than you know you get angry because of anything yeah and, I, I and, think... and the conversation of the game is completely lost at that point yeah I think it's that thing, isn't it? Is that you brought the point? It's like maybe you just don't like this popular game, and and that's fine. But I think people feel like they um, want to match what everyone else is saying about a thing, and I think that's why people get um, a bit angry sometimes. Yeah. Like as I say, it's, it's that confirmation bias. It's like, well, everyone else liked this, but I didn't. They must they must all be wrong. And it's like yeah. no, yeah. like no everyone's allowed to have different opinions and i think that that maybe sometimes people get into their heads that the games are good or bad and that is just a matter of fact not that yeah. it can be different for for each person and that you, that's why i think you've got to kind of find what works for you there's enough people out there reviewing games that i, I feel like you know there is someone probably out there for everyone who can yeah sort of talk about I these think... games in a, in a in a good light rather than just going ah well it's it's the first day it did it did it supposedly did a thing that i might not like so we'll one star it and we'll, yeah. we'll tweet a bunch of people and say Bleh. <laughs> yeah it's, it's not great um in the interest of time because we're going long which means yes. we're probably doing a good job about talking but uh yeah. the, the one thing that i would like to close the conversation off with and maybe maybe people don't agree completely but the one thing i will say is when it comes to video game journalism I don't think those people are given the credit that they deserve. I think for not not influencers and YouTubers as such now, but professional video game writers are doing really great work that isn't appropriately valued by the industry. It doesn't pay what a lot of other systems pay in terms of other reviewers or other journalistic outputs. People like Jason Schreier having to do all that work at Kotaku and then go, I'm, I'm going to go to Bloomberg. 
right? Be, because mm. that, that that's the direction he has to go, and there's reasons he went there. But I, I would probably say get get to know the journalists that you like. Like you said, Harry, I, I jumped onto that Guardian piece for the Xbox showcase earlier, and I was like, oh, Kez McDonald, amazing. I know Keza. Like I've I've read a bunch of his stuff. I've seen her on podcasts. I know I value her opinion. Um, find those people because because those are the ones that. Uh, not as much as they, they they need your eyes, but they need your support as well. Because I think those opinions and those kind of figures in the industry that are willing to say, I'm impartial, I have no monetary uh, influence here, nobody's paying me off to say anything, this is what I think, honestly, mm-hmm. in a journalistic, and that's the important bit, a journalistic and uh, professional capacity with integrity that goes a long way and it doesn't get the value and the appreciation in the industry that I think it deserves. Yeah, a bit preachy. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, what podcasts cool. are for, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is my chef, and we'll stare it where I want. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's okay. Chris is uh, at the helm next week, so it'll be fine. <laughs> so um, we will move on from talking points. We've got to start winding down, um, and there's actually not a huge amount to do in the last chunk of the podcast. What you're normally used to hearing taking about 15, 20 minutes probably isn't going to take that long. Um, so we'll move on to recommendations of the week, um, and I'll start off with a really simple one. Um, we talked about the Xbox Game Showcase. I've actually only written one here, and I'm going to dupe you two, and I'm going to throw two in. And technically, that's going to turn into like eight games. Um, but if you go on Xbox Game Pass at the minute, Master Chief Collection is included, and it's fantastic. You can also get the Fable games on there, um, so the definitive edition of Fable with the expansion and stuff. So um the kind of header and footer of the Xbox showcase in terms of Halo and Fable, you can play all those games on Game Pass. Um, go back and play Fable because they're great. Go and play the Master Chief Collection because it's a really great, cool, very pretty way to, to play those old games as well. Yeah, I will say I, I just re-downloaded it today um, because of all the stuff that we we're talking about to play through Halo 3 again because that game is... Okay. It's a really choice game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, your recommendation... My recommendation, I mean, it's very dark, unfortunately, lightened, but that really works well in my recommendation of the week. Resident Evil 2. Now, uh, I was playing this game around May-ish time. I'm still playing Horizon at the moment, so I'm just kind of going back on the game. So I did. I was playing the remake of Resident Evil 2. I've not really... I've never really been into survival horror. I've never really played much of them. I think because I kind of... When I started branching out my gaming tastes after, you know, the games I got, my dad gave me, uh, I got into the PS3 generation. That's when, like, horror games were a lot less prevalent. Uh, but Capcom, they've made a comeback over the last couple of years with game quality, with their success. To be clear, and... are, we, are we talking about Resi 2 or the Resident Evil 2 remake? Uh, well, I've been playing the remake, but I was going to recommend cool. both because of the arcade vaults. And, you know, we got to cool. celebrate the classic games. So, uh, But, uh, yeah, just to kind of finish off kind of a brief point getting into this uh we've talked also a well as well about uh, difficulties in games uh this was a game where i started off in the regular normal difficulty i forgot what it was called uh but i found it really challenging i think it's worth starting the game if you're not too familiar in that difficulty just to get a grip of what a grip of what you're doing but i did turn down the difficulty which i know for some people they may cringe at that because it's like you're playing resident evil in easy like i kept on getting bit and dying i needed some help <laughs> i needed a little bit of regen health okay and once i did that i really could brought in the atmosphere of the game yeah. i really got chucked into it 
and it's from what I gather, it's a very faithful adaption of the original game. But the original game was also an all-time classic, as everyone who has played it has ever said. So it's available. The original is available on PS One, which was its original format. Uh, Windows, I'm sure you can find it somewhere. Uh, N64, Dreamcast, GameCube, and the remake is available on PS4, Xbox One, and Windows. So, whatever, if you want to play the older one, play the older one. If you want to play the newer one, play the newer one. But either way, the remake was a great game, and it yeah. makes me really excited to play what's coming out soon, Made of Skur. Because if I yes. hadn't played Resident Evil 2, I would have been like, ooh, Made of Skur, this is going to be very kind of difficult to get into. I Will I like it? Will I not like it? Resident Evil 2, I'm so thankful I played it, because it's making me so excited now to play Made of Skur and play another game like that. Yes. And it's from a genre which I was not too familiar with, so I'm glad that I've kind of opened up and I've got something new to play. Nice. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Uh, Harry? I'll, I'll go on to my recommendation then. Um, so I've been playing a lot of um, Slay the Spire, which is um, a deck building game. Uh, so you're sort of going through um, sort of different uh, dungeons, fighting monsters, um, and picking up cards for your deck along the way. Um, I didn't play it, so it originally came out on Steam, I think, like uh, two or three years ago at this point, but they've just brought it to uh, iPad, which is where I've been playing it, um, as a sort of just sit on the sit on the settee kind of uh, sort of game. I did um, not know it was on iOS. That's yeah. interesting. I, it's only within the last couple of weeks, I think. Um, so it kind of just came up for me. So I occasionally go on my iPad. Like, the, there's some really good games that have been ported to iPad, which I think go under the radar completely. Um but yeah, I really like. I, I'm really into uh, card games. I spend more time uh, probably playing Magic: The Gathering, or at least did before lockdown, than I do playing video yeah. games anymore. So, um, so it's that kind of like, well, I can't play that um, at the moment. And um, so, what other card games are there? And and there's, there's a couple of um, other sort of games in this sphere. But this is kind of like the one I think to really sort of uh, do it right and sort of kick it off. Um, so I think if you if you're into roguelike uh, sort of games. And this is a different way of kind of like using those mechanics and sort of building up your deck as you go along. Uh, and then as you sort of beat bosses, you get sort of little power-ups, which then stick with you for your next run. So you get a little bit further. And it's then, and because it's on the iPad, it's really good to pick it up and sort of like pick drop it off again. Yeah, and just sort of go, okay, let's just do another, just one more round, just one more round, one more round. <laughs> and I'm just going, no, I need to go to bed now. So let's, uh, let's shut it off. So uh, yeah, so I have a really good fun with that. I think it's only like three or four quid, I think, on iPad. Well so. Good. Um, so yeah, recommend that. Yeah, that's when I remember launching initially. I think on PC was where I first saw it launching. I was like, it looks interesting. Who knows? But now that you told me on iOS, it, I feel like there's a lot of games like that where I'm like, maybe, and then it goes away, and then someone goes, it's on your iPad. Well, I guess I'm going to download it then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing. So um, yeah, and since Will brought it up, I will double and triple down because we want to support local developers. Uh, Made a skirt. It's on its way out. Go check out the trailer. Um, let's just call that like a podcast recommendation, and we're going to keep on recommending that. Until I, be- I believe it's coming out July twenty eighth, is it not? So oh, this way. week, as oh. in terms of recording, well, yeah. so what hopefully it's today? a big success. Uh, this we're recording twenty six, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. This I don't know the days anymore. Yeah. It's all the same for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. Wales Interactive—they're a, a, a local developer, a really great team there. Um, we had Ray from. 
Perp, um, who worked on, kind of worked with that team as well. He was on the podcast last week, the week before. Um, so yeah, go check that out as well. We'll call that a, a podcast overall review. Um, so uh, normally this is where we we kind of go into a Q and A section and we go through um, different upcoming events and things like that. Um, we are kind of flying uh, half mass a little bit with with Chris gone and things. So there's not a huge amount of that. But the one thing that we will say, just to make sure that everybody knows, is that the arcade in Cardiff opens up uh, again on the sixth. So that'll be from 11 a.m. till 9 p.m. So it will be open. Um, we've gone through a whole bunch of stuff to make sure that it's um, super sanitary and that it's going to be a kind of place that you'll be able to go and enjoy and feel comfortable again. So there's a whole bunch of stuff happening there. We even respace certain elements of the arcade out so that you don't have to be kind of shoulder to shoulder like we were pre-lockdown. That's probably not something that anybody wants to be doing with anyone else for a while. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be great getting open again and seeing people come in back and yeah, come say hello. I believe Hang August six is the date we're planning August on opening up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, magic. Well, I think that's it. We've gone a bit long, but that's that's great. That's what the podcast's for, right? Um, thank you so much, guys, for for kind of jumping in and um, sort of bearing with me whilst we work out how we're going to do this. Uh, we're getting closer to opening the arcade, which means we're going to get closer to being able to record podcasts together in a room, which is going to be really exciting, and we don't have to worry about. Where's all of our equipment? It's all in the arcade. We'll just go there and it'll be great. Uh, but thank you for so much for uh, coming on and, and having such a great conversation. Yeah, no worries at all. Yeah, deal. Mag- oh, deal. Wow. Uh, magic. Uh, so as always, guys, if you need us, we're on social media. Um, so you can get hold of us at the Arcade Vaults. Um, and until next time, we'll see you then. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Bye.